0: or From Toon Talk Radio. If you want to get into the show, it's quite easy. Go to www.toontalk.co.uk and just hit the play button, you'll be able to get in live. If you also want to come on the show, it's 0191 538 9781. If you want to, uh, we're also available on Nova Radio, so just go to www.novaradio.co.uk and also hit the Google Play app and you can listen to, listen to us on any handheld device. And also, the show will be heard again via podcast. Uh, just go to iTunes and just type in Toon Talk, and you'll be able to l- listen back to the show whenever you wish. Well, it's been an interesting as ever week with Newcastle United. Is it on? Is it off? Is the take or go and happen? Amanda Staveley meets with Mike Ashley in a quite a palatial uh, curry house where he, near where he lives, but still no deal. Another defeat. We the players aren't uh, the players are playing obviously, but uh, we're not getting the results. We are in big, 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 big trouble. There's no doubt about that. Relegation uh, to me is staring us in the face. Uh, we're going to talk about all of this uh, tonight with uh, me and getting with my co-host this evening, and um, Neil Mitchell calling from Dubai. Good evening, Neil. How are you?
1: Good evening. You know nothing about palatial curry houses, mate. I tell you that. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs>
0: I I think that'll be a very good place now, people to turn up, you know.
1: Mate, mate actually, the best place to have a curry out here is down in or down in the old town. We Get some fabulous curries down that way. But never mind, I I digress already, mainly because the football's a load of toss. Yeah. um, It's frustrating, isn't it? It's just very, very, very frustrating. So uh, we are where we are because we did what we did, and I think that just sums the entire time up. And the most Newcastle United thing ever. Big 125th birthday celebration and we managed to lose. Managed you know, to no, lose, Newcastle, it wasn't even well... Some Newcastle, it, some Newcastle United up in a, in a thing, you know. Um, mm. it's, um, it, it, it's, it's been been tough, been very tough indeed. I even managed to get a few words out of some of FIFA's great and good this weekend. And that, um, oh. and everybody everybody seems quite, uh, quite interested in what's going on at Newcastle United at the moment, that's for sure.
0: Well, we've got a great guest tonight, in Adrian Bevington, who will, t- who will give a, uh, such a lot of um, input in, into what clubs are about and um, what you know the world of football, essentially, He's with the
2: mm.
0: um, FA for nearly 17 years. So, uh, once again, my guest, Adrian Bevington, Sports and PR Limited, Football Business and Communications, patron of At Sports Mem Net and NSPCC Sports Board. Good evening to you, Adrian. How are you?
3: Good evening, chaps. I'm very well, thank you.
0: Good. Where are you? This year? Are you in Dubai? Are you in somewhere nice?
3: <laughs> I'd love to be in Dubai, but no, I'm in a very snowbound Hertfordshire.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's coming down. It's coming down here as well, and hey, obviously Neil, Neil's s- my course. He's in Dubai.
1: Hey, there's been snow,
0: <laughs> snow Lucky, and Neil. day <laughs> hey,
1: there's been snow in Saudi this week. Up in the What's mountains, like, but there's been... It's definitely been there, but never mind. I bet, I bet
3: you've not got snow near where you are in Dubai, man.
1: No, it's a really, really, really chilly 20 degrees at the moment. It's terribly chilly. I might even think about buying a jacket.
2: Or not. <laughs> Maybe. <Very good>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well Well, it's interesting, wasn't it, uh, Neil? With Aaron, Neil was at the, the FIFA uh, event this weekend when it comes to oral health. Uh, well, with then. yourself being... Um, you know, with the FA for such a lot of time, uh, what's been happening? It's I actually find it I wouldn't say interesting, but since you've left, there's definitely been a shift um, in in everything that's happened with the FA, and I would say it's not for the not for the good of the game, essentially.
3: Well, I, look, the the FA is a national governing body, and I think like any national national governing body institution, you're always there to. um you know, face a lot more scrutiny than most other organisations, and you, you're judged every single day. From from my point of view, I'd, I'd prefer to dwell on some of the successes that have taken place, particularly the last 12 months on the pitch with the development teams, and that's a credit to those people working in the areas uh, of developing the national sides, both within the FA, but also at, at club level and all the way through the, the through the game, the grassroots level where the youngsters have emerged. Because you know, we've just had the best 12 months. Development level that we've ever had in our history, so I think that's a lot, of, a lot of positives there.
1: Yeah, the, the development teams have done amazingly well, haven't they? It's, oh, yeah. We've yeah, uh, won three world championships at three different age groups. I mean, that's, we've won that's
3: two, two world, two worlds two, and one Europeans.
1: Right. So the world's won the
3: twenties and seventeens, which is all you can play at at world level. Mm. We've never won either of those before, and the under seventeen side was was a breathtakingly good team. Mm taking Spain and Brazil apart amongst others. Mm-hmm. And the nineteens the won their European Championships and the seventeens were one 0 up against Spain, going into injury time in their final and ended up conceding a last minute equaliser and getting beat on penalties, so we could have had a full clean sweep. Wow. So that you know that that that's a great story and that should mm-hmm. look I know when we're we're in the midst of discussing club issues that mm-hmm. it's understandable everyone really focuses in on their particularly in England on their you know on their club the club they care for and live and breathe every minute of every mm-hmm. day and I, you know, I get that completely, but I, we all then when it comes to tournament time we, you know we all focusing on the national team and want England to do well, and what we've seen this year gives me a lot more confidence than I've ever had that our time uh, will come in the not too distant future now.
0: I think when it comes to the the, the national team, it's always been a bugbear. It must be. You know, you were you were involved in it. So, for us to, you know, you t- say to me the interesting part. You, I don't know if you caught it, but uh, listening to Rio Ferdinand and Frank Lampard talk about um, yes. you know, how it was for them when they were, you know, it, it, as part of the Golden Generation. Like, what was it like for you in that in that Saturday? Because obviously you got the press at that time. I remember it. They were just <laughs> pushing and pushing and pushing the mantra that we, you know. We can win. We can we can take all comers. It must be hard to manage that expectation. But listening to them talk about, uh, uh, the, you know, they even though they were teammates, they didn't want to give give each other anything when it when it comes to, you know, talking, getting to you know, especially with them being friends for such a long a long time. But it it must be a hard thing to to get over the fact. Yes, you're you're playing uh, for your local team but you're also playing for England. Um, I, I would suggest, and I think that's what you, when you mentioned about the, you know, the development teams now coming through, that the only way for England to more or less grasp the metal when it comes to World Cups and European Champions is to play, is to play the kids, because if it's proven that we're, it's, it's working, that's probably the one thing I'll give um, Gareth Southgate. Uh, maybe he's been fought a little bit with, with, with injuries, but he's definitely given them the head to, to play because essentially every time an England game art is on, um, nobody wants to watch it.
3: Well, look, I think there's, there's a variety of things that you, you, you're addressing there. Mm. Um, I think it was very interesting to see what Steven Gerard, Rio Ferdinand, someone had to say. I mean, I worked with those guys, not just with the senior team, but um, particularly Frank and Stephen within the 21s when they were first coming through. They were always you know, really great people to work with. They always turned up and gave their very best for England, but um, I think we would, we would all agree those was, that were around it at that time, whether you know, the players themselves or those around the setup, that we didn't deliver on what we certainly hoped we could. There was a huge amount of pressure around during that period. There's no getting away from it. The, the, the hype, certainly between, I'd say, 2000, late 2001, from the minute we, beat, we, we, we got the draw against Greece actually and beat Germany, Um, in the qualifiers, the 5-1, through to the World Cup in Germany in 2006. um, There was intense pressure, like nothing I'd ever experienced before or since. We had global iconic players, in the guys I just mentioned, plus others who, you know, Rooney emerging, Michael Owen at the time, you know, Ballon d'Or winner in 2001, David Beckham, a huge name, Paul Scholes, a fantastic player. You know, we had some very, very big players, Ashley Cole, another one, so, there was a lot of expectation on England and, you know, whether we would have done better had Wayne Rooney. I think the big one was 2004 in Portugal where we had Wayne Rooney injured in the quarterfinal and mm-hmm. we were 1-0 up. Um, and I think we were the, probably the best team in that tournament. The others, um, I felt we suffocated with pressure in Germany, never really played well. But in, in the end, it was a penalty shootout that did us again. What you say about Gareth and you know, giving the, the youngsters a chance. Mm. And the, the important thing here is Gareth Southgate has actually worked all the way through the system. Mm. So he knows more about the players that are coming, be, are coming through, and it's something that's been predicted inside of the organisation for, well, certainly since the, about 2009-10 that we, we would be benefiting from some more better players, the back part of this decade and the early part of the one to come. Gareth will give the players a chance, but more importantly, they're they're building up a lot of caps at development level and beating the teams they need to beat at senior level in those age groups. That's what Mm. Spain did. That's what Germany did. It's not about copying them exactly. Mm. I'm not suggesting that. But there's scientific Mm. evidence that says if you win the caps and win the tournaments at development level, you do generally go on to achieve better success with the national team at senior level. It's not about throwing a lot of kids in in one go. It's building them, coming through, and Gareth is definitely blooding people. So, listen, without getting carried away, I think, I think, I think there is a bright future for England And what we've seen this year.
1: I think you, you strike a very interesting point because for years people were saying, well, who's coming through? Why aren't some of them being given a chance? And now they're being given a chance, some people are complaining. So you cannot really win, can you? In some, Well, you could only,
3: you could only win in the end, right? So th- I've had this debate put to me recently even though I obviously don't work mm. for the, the FN anymore, but I, I've had the debate where people could feel where well, the kids now will the players get a chance well I think we're already seeing they are getting a chance mm-hmm. you know we saw mm-hmm. p- players on the pitch for Liverpool yesterday who um, have played in this tournament um, we've seen players in other games in the Premier League this weekend or in the Champions League last week who were part of the development teams this summer so um, I think these, these, these youngsters that have come through are of such a good quality that their first teams will give them the chance and it's up to the players that to seize the opportunity they've got to get the chance admittedly but they've got to seize it and I'm confident that they will um, yeah. but the proof will be in the pudding and you know you can only talk so much it's not about what you say in the end it's about what actually happens on the pitch and whether it's the World Cup in 2018 that's clearly going to you would expect be too soon for many of the young players that we've seen this year not saying all mm. of them but certainly Euro 2020 with Wembley hosting a lot of the games. Uh, and then I think 2022 and the, tor- the, the, the tournament, the cup toss after that, that should be a real good opportunity for the England team at that stage.
1: Do you think the penalty shootout becomes something genuinely ingrained as a concern or is it just blown out of proportion?
3: Well, it, it definitely was something that, I think, became a bit of a psychological problem for us. However, mm. we won penalty shootouts this year at various age groups.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: We have lost mm-hmm. one as well, but we've won various yeah. ones. And I think, again, this will all come from experience. And I genuinely believe that the, 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 the everything, the environment, the environment is something that gets talked about by a lot of people. In football management nowadays, I know it does, and I know it can be some a buzzword like a, a, uh, DNA is another buzzword that gets bandied around. But I do think creating the the environment where the players feel relaxed to play for England um, will, is the only way that we can ensure that they, they deliver the kind of form that they, that they tend to deliver on a on a Saturday and Sunday for their club teams.
0: I think when it comes to the penalty shootouts, Adrian, was when you. Uh, you know, I remember at the time were, the press were always pushing. when they? they were always saying, "Well, what if it goes to penalties? What are we going to do about it?" But essentially, uh, when, you, when you watch when you watch Germany, especially every penalty goes is kind of in the corner. Now, when you watch our players go up there, you know it's it's well it must be worse if you, <laughs> when you were involved in it, just watching it. But when you when you see them go up there you never, uh, with with Germany, you just expect them to do it. And I think when it comes to our lot, it, it, how can you, how can you not, the trouble is, it, it, there's so many things you could people say you can do, but really, you're, you you're, you're there, you can't, you, you, there's no way in hell you could, um, replicate that situation, unless you go into the, the age of, um, what do you call it, um, um, you know, you, you you put the person in a in a uh, what do you call it? you Another know, I have confident the name now. You um, know, in a, a, a situation in a situation where it's you know, they put these goggles on, and they can and they sh- they can they can actually be there see it, but in like it's you know, like totally some
1: can't... sort of augmented reality. Uh,
3: yes, exactly. Right. exactly. I think I think the reality here is that um it is about getting you know breaking the cycle and breaking the cycle at development team level in the same way look the fact that i've just mentioned there they beat brazil and spain in a national in in a in in knockout football in a world final under 17s in india where the temperature was hot and humid right Mm -hmm. if you believe every everything that's ever said around the well, we can't play in hot climates well, we've just done that twice this year in South Korea and India and once right? we can't beat Brazil and Spain because despite the myths that get talked about on a lot of occasions our record in big games in knockout football outside of England is terrible at senior mm-hmm. level so we have to we have to change that and I think what they've done this summer at development team level actually addresses that and the penalty shootouts Will be the same as well. And then, look, individual players will have will have in, with different approaches. In some of the tournaments where we've lost penalty shootouts, we've actually scored all of our penalties in the first five. It's in sudden death where we've, left, where we've, yeah. where we, where we've lost. Mm. In other tournaments where the, the pressure seemed to be more intense for whatever reason, um, you know, players that you might have expected to score have missed. You can't predict everything, but you've got to try and create that confident environment where the players do feel relaxed. They feel comfortable. And then, you know, gradually over time, by being successful at development team level, I'm convinced that will give us the best chance of achieving success on the pitch. And look, nobody's got a divine right to win a national mm-hmm. tournament at senior team level. It is damn hard. You know, mm-hmm. we, we all talk about Germany always winning, but they don't win every tournament. You know, they actually went from was it two was it 1996 through to
0: the a couple of times yeah
3: well the, the, yeah. I mean they always get semi-finals and finals but they don't always <laughs> win a tournament. you know their record is quite incredible but they still you know they have you know they they can't beat they rarely beat Italy for example in in, in knockout football mm. they have a major problem with Italy why is that that's, that's you know, you, you, there are questions about so many of these circumstances yeah. but I think all England can do is concentrate on, on, on what on building the environment around them and giving the young lads as much experience as possible and, and, and that will deliver confidence for them and combine that with them breaking through and emerging into their club sides and playing well. Um, you know we've got some of the best young players in the world at the moment, that's, that's the view of other well, nations not coming from England so we've got to build on that and hopefully seize the moment over the next decade.
0: Yeah, I think um,
1: I went. can I Sorry, go ahead? Yeah. I was going to say, can I can I take the conversation in a slightly different direction now, yeah. sort of bring it back to Something that a lot of our listeners will want to know about, obviously with rumours circulating around the club. Um, can you shed any light on what the FA fit and proper person tests all about and what it really entails entails, rather, um, and how things can go forward with it and how quickly it can be done, for example, and. Mm can fans, we certainly takes their interest into account, not just those of the financial world, or indeed even perhaps the FA's own interests.
2: Yeah,
3: I, I don't think it's actually the FA fit in proper to test. I think it's run by the respective leagues, whether it be the Premier League right. or the Football League. Okay, got you. Um, obviously under the uh, umbrella, I guess, of the FA. Um yes. Ultimately, the, the, my understanding is that it's, as, as long as the individual can pro- has proof of funding, mm. and they've not breached any um, any laws that were them promoting a company in the UK, right. um, you know they, they would get the green light, mm. proceed with that um, under company law. Mm. Um, does
1: it does yeah. it does it look at things like salient partners and consortia and front being fronted by an entity but, and. Yeah, I, haven't, like that. I
3: haven't got, I've got to be honest with you Neil, I don't have right. that little detail and I wasn't, you know, got you. in my previous role that wasn't something that I was ever, that wasn't, right. okay. ever yeah, involved yeah. in, so I, I wouldn't want to get at that. Insofar right. um, as you know, time it would take to, to achieve that, I don't think it's something that would be or, or should be the most um, lengthy of processes, so, so long as there's no, um, no complications mm-hmm. in what is being submitted.
1: Right. got you.
0: Would she, would she be... Obviously, when it comes to... The trouble is, isn't it, we'll probably never find out because we'll only find out, I think, at the end when, you know, if there's a press conference and she's being put through because the one thing that probably would surprise me is that if, if she is currently going through governance and, you know, they're checking, they're checking her out because I would, I would think it would be a... They keep on saying it's a, uh, a long process, but if you've got to follow the money... <laughs> you know, proof of proof of funds. Well, I th-
3: I, I'm not so sure. It's necessarily a long process of the the fit and proper persons test. Um, I think the longest part of the process for any any takeover is actually due diligence.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The
3: due diligence obviously is you know it, one um, negotiating the heads of terms on the actual yep. sale or purchase,
2: mm.
3: which is probably the longest part. Um, While doing that, um, having the period of exclusivity to look at the books, to know exactly what it is that you're buying, Mm. and so, you know, the the combination of those two are where the time will be consumed, and I think you've got to be realistic about this, you know, we're we're talking here about um, Amanda Stavely, who's got experience um, of being involved in major uh, purchases before, I think it's Manchester City we'd reference, isn't it? Mm, And. You know, so she, she's a very experienced individual, and there seems to be, you know, total confidence that she has the um, the, the funds through PCP to mm. be able to live on it. But clearly, the, the from everything that we see, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm not privy to any exclusive information. I just want to be clear on that. But
2: yeah. Yeah. From everything
3: that you see, it, it would seem that the, the main um, point at the moment is negotiating the. You know the the sale price, the
1: actual asking price. Correct. Yep. And
3: there'll be clauses. You know, one would expect. Again, I'm, I'm not privy to it, but you would expect there to be um, various um, clauses, clauses and triggers involved in any, any sale of that magnitude. Whether you're talking about, you know, 280 million, 300 million, or 400 million or more, you know, it's whoever is buying will want to ensure that they're getting the best deal for them and depending on what the future holds for the football club, and likewise from Mike Ashley's point of view, um, you know he's, he's going to want to ensure that he gets a, a, the right deal for, from his point of view as well.
0: I think when it comes to due diligence, that's just uh, more or less to, to find out uh, how much essentially the club has been valued at. Would they, when, it, when it comes to the due diligence side of it, would that not, in, would that not involve the affair whatsoever? when it comes to that sort of thing, would they, just say, if they found something, I'm not going to say the word, He's hide if he's hiding something, would the would the FA not be involved with that, would, she, would that be the reason, because obviously she was at Wembley a couple of weeks ago for the, the friendlies, and uh, people were speculating that.
3: I don't think that would be any, I don't think Amanda attending a game at a friendly, I wasn't aware of that, but I'm understandably attending a game at Wembley for a friend. I don't think it would be related to anything to do with um, the due diligence process around buying the football club. I really don't. Um, whether, the, whether, the, whether the FA would get involved or not. As I say, my, my understanding, and I stand to be correct on this, I've like not been involved in this, in, in, in this direct area of football governance, but my understanding is that the fit and proper person tests themselves are run directly by the respective uh, football league and the Premier League, depending on which league the club's in. So in this case, it would obviously be the Premier League related to Newcastle
1: United. Um, that 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 actually makes sense of something. Um, we a group of Newcastle fans meeting the same bar as the Leeds supporters club, and some of them were saying that the the, the Italian guy they had all the hassle with. Mm-hmm. They were saying that under the Premier League, he might not have got hold of Leeds, but because it was in the champ- in the Championship and the, the Football League had a slightly different set of rules and things that we're looking at um, he was able to sneak in through the back door um, so that, that tallies with stuff I've been told from other sources as well which is very interesting that it's effectively it's a league by league decision
3: I've worked with <clears throat> Andrea Radrizzani who recently bought mm. League United um, mm. he bought the, the total control of the club in the summer of mm. this year and I work with one or two other people when they purchase clubs as well. And, you know, those processes can take several months mm. because there's such a significant investment being made. So um, I appreciate that there's huge speculation every day in Newcastle and fans want yeah. this to be resolved as quickly as possible. And I'm, I'm in nowhere criticising anybody for that. Mm. But Newcastle United... I, Newcastle United are an amazing football club in an amazing football city. You know, mm. I, I, I grew up, you know, fifty miles down the road.
0: You are a aren't you? Because I was going I'm, to get to that. Yeah,
3: yeah, and I'm, and, I, and I'm, you know, well aware of, you know, what a, what a magical football club Newcastle United is, and it's, you know, I think anyone who's a, you know, who cares for football, even as a neutral, you want to see Newcastle United. Doing well because of the passion for the club. I love the fact that it's a one club city. That the stadium um, mm-hmm. is right in the heart of the city, and everything in Newcastle, you know, you know, jumps to the heartbeat of the football club. It's a you know, it's central to everything in in, in the city. So, you know, I, I understand why why there is the the, the continued um, desire for this to be resolved as quickly as possible. Um, but that doesn't mean that those who were involved in discussions and look we've seen the pictures I heard you talking about it earlier there was the pictures last week of them coming out of the <laughs> the, the, the curry house in yeah. in Hampstead and you know people want to see it result but they're only going to re- they're, they're only going to conclude this when both parties are ready to to reach final agreement and, and that is part of negotiating the price and the due diligence on it and as long as the money the money is there to make the purchase um, you know, behind the negotiations, that that should run through very
0: smoothly, in my opinion. It was interesting. Actually, we had David Buick, who is a financial guy. Um, he was very, very good. I, we, I saw him on Sky Sky Sports, and uh, it was interesting when he was talking about what what she had offered. And it was quite funny. He says, "You're having a laugh, Amanda. <laughs> you know, she's really making you know making fun." But then you realise, you know, what the money. Um, the stipulations that she's got. Uh, it's interesting because we've been heard for years about what Mike Ashley does and um, you know what 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 deals he's got. Uh, you know, some are you know don't don't use, don't use the word scumbaggery, but um, some of them are quite you know quite a lot in favour of him. And it's funny when she, it's interesting the reaction when she puts when she herself she puts in specific things that she wants, especially the one if the club gets relegated, she wants to be paid for that. It is quite funny the the reaction uh, that a woman gets considering a a man, because because in the league, the only woman in the Premier League especially, really, is Karen, really, isn't it? Isn't that right? Uh, There are
3: other people, I mean, obviously you've got... There are. You've got the... um, Chelsea Football Club. I mean, yeah, on the, oh, football. Sorry, yeah. the very yeah. senior executive there, who's, who's very close, working with Roman Abramovich. So, mm. you
4: know,
3: there, there, there are others. Obviously, Karen Brady, you, you would suggest, is the highest profile person, um, but there are other there are other people, well, told, senior positions. There's, there's another one. There's people at Tottenham Hotspur, for example, as well.
1: And there's um, Katharina at Southampton as well.
3: Yeah, who they're still they're owns
1: 20 percent of it. Yeah,
3: in the industry, but you know there is still a strong majority of of men who are in the more senior positions but look that aside, what you've got here is you've got a very experienced businessman in Mike Ashley and you've got a very
0: You met him by any chance? You met him in the Sorry? Have you met him Adrian?
3: No, I don't know Mike personally I don't Um, know but you've got a very experienced um, businesswoman in Amanda Stavely so you've got two people there who, you know, as I said before, they're looking to get the best deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sure that if they both want to do a deal, I'm sure that they're they're capable of getting a deal done. But you know, that's that's negotiation. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand why people are really keen to see this done before the window opens, um, because obviously, you know, Newcastle. Are struggling to perform at the moment. They've had some bad results, mm. and I'm sure that Rafa Bonitas wants to make some purchases in the window. And, and, and clearly, who owns the club at that time? Well, you've got the the the, the, you know, the discussion going on as to the sale could have an impact on on what money's available in January. I don't know, but you know, one would, could easily assume that, couldn't you?
0: Yeah. I suppose if if it if it does happen. Um, are you interested in, get back to f- uh, interested in getting back to club football to yourself? But if, no. if, if a role comes up in the in the future, would you be interested in? You never know. Even Newcastle.
3: Uh, well, uh, uh, <laughs> that's put me on the spot somewhat, but I mean, look, just bearing up question. Hey, look, it, it is a huge club, as I've said already, and mm-hmm. certainly from my own point of view, um, if there if there was ever a um, an opportunity with a football club that I want, that, that I'd like to work with, that I've, that I've had respect for. Um, yes, of course I would be interested. I actually, I did have an opportunity to move to Newcastle when I was, when I was a lot younger back in my early days at the FA and I, I was very close to moving in about, I think it was 2000. Oh uh, wow. when, hmm. um, Freddie Shepherd offered me a job actually with.
0: Oh my goodness.
3: But. Um, that, that was on the, the the comms side at the time, and uh, uh, I decided to to stay with the FA. We had a new chief executive, in Adam Crozier, who was a really oh, yeah. inspirational guy to work with. But yeah, so I almost I almost took a job with Newcastle. What's that? Seventeen years ago. So I certainly wouldn't rule anything out personally, because as I say, I do. I just think that as a football club, you've seen it when Kevin Keegan was there mm-hmm. as fans. If if you if you get it right or close to getting it right at Newcastle. Yep. You've got the most amazing energy um, behind it, uh, and it, you, you can excite and invigorate the whole country. Quite frankly, and, and I, I think it would be brilliant to see Newcastle back ch- challenging towards the top end of the Premier League. There's no reason with with, with with the right financial investment, with the right transfer strategy, and commercial strategy off the pitch, and the you know the right management of the team. Why Newcastle cannot, with their resources or the resources they could have, be challenging in the top end of the Premier League and therefore taking them back into Europe? And uh, you know, who knows from there? There are other clubs that have done it, and Newcastle are capable of that. But it's all about you know the, the sensible management and realising that potential.
0: I think I think when you were when you were the FA, you were you there when Bobby when Sir Bobby was the uh, manager of England.
3: No, it was it was before that. It? But I got to know, I I had the pleasure of getting to know Sir Bobby when, um, well when he was manager of Newcastle, mm. and then, um, when he became ill, um, you know I I I actually spent a, a, the day when, um, the facility was opened, uh, when Fabio Capello came up to the northeast, and we we spent, we spent a couple of hours in private with Bobby and his family, um, afterwards, and you know what a Absolute pleasure on my part to spend time with him because his passion for, for football and for life generally was just, was just awesome in my opinion and, you know, really really inspirational man.
0: Yeah, he was. I think when it comes to, I think with North East football, it's just for us really. It's such a shame, that he, he came so late. You know, like it he, he, he was obviously Freddie tried to, obviously brought him back, but it was such a shame that he was kind of. Oldish, getting you know, getting to the, the senior role. You can imagine if he had been there oh, ten years. Imagine if he had been in the club for ten years and or, or longer. How, what he, what we could have achieved. Probably. Well, he still
3: built a very exciting team, though, didn't he? I mean, he, he took over the team when. From was it from Rude, He took over.
0: Um, I believe. Neelan, no better than me. I think it was.
3: Yeah, yeah. and obviously you, you, you know, you, you a Couple of seasons where you hadn't quite, you know, you hadn't quite been back at the level where you'd been under Kevin Keegan, and I think the first season under Kenny, and he turned that round and he got you playing some really good football with a very young team, wasn't it? You know, you, you still had the experience of the likes of, of Alan Shearer and, and um, Gary Speed and the likes, but you still had you had a lot of younger players coming through, and it was, a, it was a team with a lot of vibrancy about it. And Got into Europe, so I do think people. Certainly nationally have really fond memories of the team that Bobby had at Newcastle, but I, I understand the point you're making. You know, had he been a bit younger or mm-hmm. um, you know, been there a bit longer, perhaps he might have enjoyed even greater success, but I certainly think he deserves a big tick against his name for what he did at Newcastle.
0: What's your thoughts on uh, Rafa Benitez? You obviously, you must have met him, and um, probably the, the one thing I'll say, it's, it's always interesting listening to Rafa, isn't it? He doesn't back, t- he, when he's got something to say, especially to the fans, he says it. And I think well, that that's what's galvanised galvanized us. If, if things can, do go ship, we're going to lose them.
3: I think you can say that about most of the uh, big managers. Mm. You know, with the success that they've achieved, it gives them a level mm. of confidence um, in how they, you know, speak publicly with authority and they're prepared to challenge and, you know, you can yeah. relate that to whether it be um Sir Alex when he was at United. You know, y- you've got you've got the big managers elsewhere you now, the likes of your Pep Guardiola and Jose Mourinho's and uh, Contes and, and when they when they want to have a view on something they they even though they they do try and um I'd say always represent their clubs properly, they do occasionally you know, give an insight into what they're really thinking because they're they're, they're people who have achieved such success and, you know, you've got to put Rafa Benitez into that bracket,
2: haven't
1: you? He certainly, you know, he he speaks like somebody who genuinely has nothing to lose and in some respects, what does he have to lose? Um, He's done everything just about in the game you can at club level and therefore... um, he knows what he's talking about, and he's very clever with when he chooses to fight and when he chooses to back off and let the fan base do the fighting for him and I think that's, that's also something he, I think he learned that very much at Liverpool under Gillette and Hicks, and I think it's certainly something now it's very apparent that um, he's, he's nailing his colors to the mast and he's letting everybody know exactly how he feels and I think that's quite right because we've got this situation now where um, in my mind, every, with every day that passes the offer. On the table, that's still on the table, gets better because the <laughs> risk to the club gets increases with every day that passes. Um, and I think Rafa knows that, and I think he, he's he's playing the playing it very very well. I think from a, I think certainly somebody who manages comms and PR f- f- from a point of view in <laughs> um, in football, I think you'd say he's playing a blinder, wouldn't you, Adrian? Really?
3: <laughs> well, I've got to be honest with you, I'm not I'm not following every. Every mm. cough and spit of what's being said by Rafa or, you know, anything coming out of the, the club exactly. Um, but look, everybody knows that he's an astute operator in that regard. And you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that from his own point of view, look, he'll know. He's, he's obviously, he, he loved his time at Liverpool. I think it would be fair to say he had a challenging time at Chelsea and it didn't quite work out. For, it didn't work out for him at Real Madrid. So he's at a club that is a is, is is a is a big club but it's at the crossroads at the moment, isn't it? And so he mm-hmm. you know, he will realise that if the buyout happens mm-hmm. and there's there's significant investment made into the team, he's got an opportunity there to, to to be to be playing back at the top end of the table, which is where where he wants to operate alongside the managers mm-hmm. and clubs that he feels he belongs at.
1: I'm so I'm-
3: you
1: understand his position in that regard, can't you? Right. And, and I'm going to take this slightly back to an area that you, you probably haven't had much actual inside knowledge of dealing with per se. But do you think there's vehicles available for a, say, for example, they strike a deal on December the 31st? And while the deal's been agreed, are there vehicles in which PCP could put money into the club to allow Rafa to buy before the close of the window um, or do you think we're really sort of stuck until that deal is finalised and everything's dried on paper? I,
3: hey, listen, I, 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 don't, I don't know the <laughs> answer. I suppose I'm, so, I'm could, sorry
1: to put you on the spot, but <laughs> I had to ask it.
0: But, uh, I'm, it's I'm, live.
3: I'm not trying to to, to avoid or I have no reason no, to no, avoid no, 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 the questions either. My, my view on that is I suppose that there, there are numerous examples in... In history of clubs receiving loans to help them in the transfer market or with wages. Mm.
1: Mm. Yes. So,
3: you know, I, I, I'm not, you know, I, again, I'm not speaking with direct expertise here, but no, please. Um, you one,
1: the one, one, issues, one it's it's it would seem
3: it would seem possible, but I think the reality is from from all parties observing from afar is that priority will be to get the deal done cleanly
0: hmm. Hmm. yeah i think it's going to be one of them things to, it's one of them situations in newcastle where you know the, the waiting is probably the worst but probably today is probably the only day of a lot of the days that it's gone quiet um you know i think um, the fact that they got together the meeting I must be i thought in that meeting they would have said okay well you know, we'll do a deal at this price, and then yesterday news came up that he he, he allegedly has two buyers, and there's somebody's offered 320 million and Oh, it just it, it gets a bit it gets a bit too much, especially well, when Well, you, no you just don't
3: you just poof. don't look. None of none of us. The only people who know what's going on here are those are those involved directly in the deal. You know, uh, there's, there's obviously immediate advisers and counsel around both sides. And only those people know what's really going on, and unfortunately, you, you, you know, you're living in a goldfish bowl um, where everyone's everyone's got a view, everyone's guessing, everyone wants it to happen one way or the other. Um, but until there's actual resolution and agreement, you know, you can talk around the houses about it, yeah. you can speculate, you can have as many stories as you want, but we'll only we'll only know for sure when the deal's actually done yeah. or not.
1: Can- can I take you back into your world now, Adrian, if you don't mind? and in 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 all the sort of rules you've had, where you've been dealing this sort of PR media. Can you, is there one you could say without upsetting anybody, where somebody's done something and you thought, oh Christ, I've got to manage this, <laughs> because we've had this on and off at Newcastle all along, from mm. people rocking up with crowbars to take the names and James's Park off the side of the 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 ground and the the, the media um, team haven't were only told it happened past six that morning. They've had no time to prepare, no time to get ready for it or anything like that. Has anything like that been dropped on you? Well,
3: not directly, but, <laughs>
2: but
3: um, <laughs> look, I've I've seen it both sides because don't forget, I've done the, the PR and the comms, but I've also done the managing director side and right CEO and things. So I've, I think the most. Look, I've had numerous examples where I've had to pick something up, you know, last minute dot com and that's wow. the biggest challenge for everybody. But I think the most important thing is wherever I try to work, and certainly when I've been on the on the senior executive side of the fence, it's about giving your um, comms team as much information as possible to help them allow prepare to manage the situation so that they're ready to roll when something happens. So that's something, you know, and with people I work with now, I work with various um, owners and clubs and commercial organisations in which sometimes it's on the communication side, sometimes it's on the executive management side, and I always try to ensure that the the communication flow, whether, you know, to begin with internally, is where it should be, because if you want to, you know, I think, look, fans, fans aren't really focused and obsessed about Communications and PR, which is not my favourite phrase, um, mm-hmm. but they do care about the reputation of their organisation, of the club they love and live and breathe. Mm-hmm. So that it, a lot of it really isn't about necessarily PR. It's actually about decision making, mm-hmm. and it's how you make those decisions and how you uh, communicate that internally and then externally. You know, and you've, you've got to you've got to look to prepare you know, those involved, you say, call the community, for want of a better phrase, have got to be in the loop so that then when you have a, you know, an issue that you, you can deal with it professionally.
1: And there you sum up the problem of the Mike Ashley era that you United in three sentences. Fabulous. <laughs> well, well. <laughs> and, 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 and so many times though, Adrian, it's not what he's doing. Mm. It's the way he does it mm. and how he does it and how it isn't managed. And how he doesn't give the people who can manage it a chance to manage it because the shitstorm's already landed by the time they are putting their umbrellas up, and mm. it's it, it's bonkers. It, the well, entire that's, that's, time it, that's,
3: that's your words, Neil, and not mine,
0: of course. <laughs> Absolutely, no, no,
1: yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> come on,
2: come on.
0: The thing is, I think when it comes to in, obviously in your job here, and the the one thing, I'll I, well actually we'll, we'll get I'll get to the bit on on uh Middlesbrough, first of all. What's obviously because you're a supporter when it comes to them, um you got obviously you had you had Monk come in. what's been your reaction to what's going on there? Because um I expected Middlesbrough to come down and, especially monk of what you've done at Leeds, especially when you're involved in the, the sale of Leeds, um were you were you instrumental in trying to keep him there? Was that no, my my, my
3: my role my Just role with, with, with Leeds was very much on the comp side of it with um, with Andrea privately, mm. so not directly involved with Leeds United Football Club itself, mm. but with Andrea's purchase. Um, look, I think speaking as a, as a Middlesbrough fan, mm. the first thing I'd say is, um, I think we're very fortunate that we have an owner in Steve Gibson, mm. yeah. who has been, you know, he's been there for what twenty-five years as the owner now, mm-hmm. um, and his passion for the club and for the town is, you know, just it shines brightly all the time. I mean, I, I, I worked at the club back in the, the mid-nineties when we had that um, roller coaster period under Brian Robson and the, the various foreign stars coming in. And Steve's Steve's been through that. He's been through various. Um, ups and downs with the club, um but he stays stays as strongly committed as ever from everything that you see. Um look he he made a lot of investment in the summer, Get in and new manager and Gary's come in and um you know they've brought a lot of new players in. I think it it is fair to say that it hasn't it hasn't gelled as quickly as they'd have liked, but they're still within shooting range of the of the playoffs. And they hit a, hit a a few a um, few wins in a row together, which with the players that they have, they're, they're surely capable of. I think they could very quickly be back in the playoffs and in contention. And any team that's coming up against them would see them as a as a rival and a threat. I think the issue is that Wolves have just got so far away um, with an absolutely flying start, and they've they've been brilliant this year.
0: I think uh, when it when it when it comes to um, Wolves, that it, it's another another team that's kind of a beast, isn't it? And uh, uh, but <laughs> it's again, it's another, it's another, another chat about comedy. When you look at, the, there's, a, there's a problem there isn't it? because the guy who's an agent is the one. I, I think Neil might know his name, but you probably know his name. But um, he's involved in bringing the players in uh, from abroad, obviously, and. Um, it, and it's it's a great story the wolves are doing really really well i think you've got i
3: think you've got to look at wolves and it's you know i don't think they're they're owned by a china by a chinese company force group um the, the principal um chairman there is a guy called jeff Shi. the agent you're referring to is george mendez through his yeah. company yes yeah. and yeah they've brought in a lot of a lot of top players um, I don't know too many Wolves
0: fans personally, but I guess that they're not complaining about anything at the moment. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's the thing is, that Wolves have been well another one of them clubs in they, they, they I think I can't remember the last time they were in the Premiership, <laughs> but they come in and they go out a bit like Sunderland. And uh, actually, what there's, there's one if there's one club that needs better communication, it's them. I, I'm surprised they haven't. Um, be on the floor to you to be honest with you because that's, is that, because if that's one club that needs a clear voice and somebody that kind of knows what they're doing then I'm surprised your phone hasn't been red hot um, when it comes to tr- being in charge of something that seems to be an ongoing issue especially if they've got, you know I, would, I wouldn't say they've got a good manager but they've got an international manager that left Wales uh, to come to a club that nobody in their right mind I must say everybody was shocked when they found out he was going there uh, the, the one question I've got is a bit off kilter, but obviously when you look at the English cricket, um, and I, I, I know this because I spoke to somebody that met with him the other day, but you know the, the one thing, uh, the communications, uh, you would, obviously the England national team and the English cricket team seem to be run by the same people to me, but um, you would think uh, when it comes to their players, uh, somebody. When it when it comes to them going out, you would think there'd be a communication thing, right? Okay, if are if they are gonna if these lads are gonna go out, uh, even if it's because essentially they are big stars, they're big sporting stars. Why would you think when they go out there would not be somebody with them in official capacity? Um, because I know they do in America when NFL stars go out, they they have like a like a minder or of some kind of security. Is that one area you look you're inv- you would like to get more involved in, especially with the fact that I'm talking about Ben Stokes? But
2: um, no, I, mean, it's look, in- I think
3: first, first and foremost, from my own point of view, um, as I said before, I, yes, I've worked a lot in communications in my life, but I've also been the managing director.
2: Right.
3: Um, that was my last job at the FA of mm. the national teams, and you know, what I, I can't speak about the cricket side of it, although I'm led to believe at the weekend that there was security with them um, from reports that have been made publicly. Um, The England men's football team, Mm. um, during my time there, and I I worked around the team, as I've said, both from communications lead, but also as the MD of it, the players very, very, very rarely ever went out. Mm. Just didn't do it. um, Because obviously the, you know, the scrutiny that the guys are under, the pitfalls, um, are are pretty immense. So, you know, I think in, in most cases the, the, the players themselves prefer just to, to stay within camp, quite frankly. So we had a code of conduct that was introduced mm. back in around 20, oh, 2011, 2012 sort of time. Um, but within that, it's it's sensible management really as much as anything mm. where you know, I can't believe any any sporting team that the, that the management of the team wouldn't have a have a conversation with them before mm-hmm. they went out. But look, in other countries, uh, sporting teams do go out and they have a they have a big night out. I've seen it myself when I've, I've been watching games not involving England. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've stayed in hotels with other teams, national teams, where they've gone out en masse. The difference being that perhaps that there wasn't quite as much such, much social media then, and mm-hmm. secondly. Um, you know that some of the teams are not under the same level of scrutiny, but from the English football team point of view, it was very rare there was any, any, um, any nights out of range for just to avoid any, any problematic issues that might
2: arise.
1: I think it seems that there may be a cultural issue with the cricket lads, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, and it seems to run throughout a core of the team, and I, but at the same time that used correctly that can be a force for good look at the euro 96 lads they certainly weren't shy Mm. and there was no retiring wallflowers amongst that group really (laughs) um and so it it it, i think it it's i think the the big problem now is there's so many people with smartphones and with Mm. access to social media who can suddenly have something up and out there in a flash and there's not much of a chance to, to sort of put the lid on it or maintain it or, and, and things can go viral very, very quickly these days and I think it's very... Well, we're in,
3: we're, in this, we're in this situation now where um, social media is brilliant because I think it brings the players mm. um, more close to the public, mm. direct interaction, which we shouldn't knock. Um, yes, it, it brings around a huge amount of... of um, scrutiny more so than ever before um we also have the debate that we don't want players to be too, too distant and locked away um and cut, cut off from the fans but when they are in public spaces you know that there are a lot of challenges go their way that you know sometimes can put them in difficult situations so it's about the balance, really and about sensible management wherever possible and i think it's very difficult for People to have um, such a, you know, a, a one-stop shop approach, a blanket approach, when certain individual incidents might cause problems for for whole organisations or the reputations of different teams. Um, when in fact, 99.9% of the time, most of those involved um, never get involved in anything that's problematic. Yeah, it, it,
0: it, I think you'd probably pick the one sector that's the most the most interesting sector that you can possibly be in. Because communication, well, communication involves everything in every single job, every single sphere of... uh, The one thing I was going to ask you, if there's one area of sport you'd like to go in, which I think uh, probably uh, uh, needed, especially in America, but if you... Is there one area you'd like to get into in the future in, in communications? Like I'm talking about Major League Baseball. No, um, not really. I MLS. mean, the, I'm, I'm
3: not, saying nothing to anything, but uh, you know, the, the communication side of it, I've said a few times now, is one part of what I do. But mm. um, actually, being a CEO or managing director is also what I do as well. Mm. So, um, and football is my natural um, passion. Mm what I know most about insofar as where I've worked for the last 25 years. So mm-hmm. from my side, um, if I am to go back into a full-time role, it's most likely going to be in, inside of football in some shape or form. and it's, it's It will be in a leadership role, whether it be CEO um, or another director role that may or may not involve communications. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have to see it depends on the individual circumstances there. Uh, but certainly, um, you know, I, I think too 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 often people talk about communications and PR in isolation. In fact, it's about good decision making across an organisation. Mm-hmm.
0: Trust in the basics, isn't it? Trust in trust the people you're with. It's all about a team at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah.
3: Leadership, and, and from that, uh, you know, the communication side of it is part of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, anything else, Neil? I've 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 got all I've done all my things I've got to say, but um, yeah. it, it's for a change. I know I can know we can go on and on, but it's been an absolute pleasure, Adrian, to have you on. It's a, it's a, the wonder of LinkedIn, eh? <laughs> no,
3: I, I, I really enjoyed it, guys. Thanks for the questions, and um, it's uh, been a pleasure to be, to be on the show.
0: And I can just imagine, everything you've said tonight, Neil's mind is racing 100 miles an hour to try and get you in Dubai. I'm telling you, that's <laughs> awesome.
1: I'll I'll watch do, out. My me, me head, me head's still mashed after this bloody FIFA medical conference I was at <laughs> over the last two days. I'm, I'm absolutely... My head is seriously battered with some of the stuff they come out with. i tell you, tell you the highlight for me. Um, and and I, I still can't quite get my head around it. A team doctor from Barcelona gave this lecture. And you know they've looked at sending players into low Earth orbit try and increase the healing or to improve the healing time of muscle injuries and they've actually looked at it seriously they've done studies with NASA <laughs> this this is where they're at you they talk about it being on another planet it's just about it. it I've never ever seen or heard anything quite like it I'm, I'm still getting my head around it mate <laughs> <laughs> well, they're,
3: always looking to, they're always looking to take anything forward and Push the boundaries,
1: aren't push they, the envelope. So. Oh, aye! I mean, yeah. some of the stuff that the, 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 they were going on about was just amazing. Really, seriously amazing. Mm.
0: I was going to ask you. It must have been a. I think uh, when it comes when it comes to FIFA last week, but my last question before you head off, uh, Adrian. But when it comes to the the news that they um, they sacked the person who was involved in. Trying to find, I think, Mus- I think the guy called Muk- Muko uh, of FIFA. Something he's being investigated for, of course, drugs and Russia. Um, and FIFA sacked him to bring in somebody who didn't have the the same experience to try and try and find, um, you know, what was going on when it comes to when it comes to doping. It's a serious issue, especially the fact that these people are going to be in charge of, uh, especially the Russians. In in 2018, it is a worry, isn't it, the fact that if they're, if they're doing athletics, what the hell do they do doing in football?
3: Well, I think from my point of view on that, I'm, I'm I think it's very very dangerous to to, mm. to pass opinions on something that you really don't know anything like enough about. And I think that mm. FIFA themselves are the governing body of this tournament, mm. and they they know their responsibilities and. You know, we have to uh, we we have to trust in them to ensure that the right processes, in conjunction with WADA, the anti-doping agency, mm. are, are in place to to ensure that the tournament next summer um, delivers on what it's supposed to. Yeah, it's,
0: it's going to. Be, it's. I must say, it's a. When they actually gave it to Russia, I must um, admit, I was—I well, couldn't believe it to be honest. With
1: I have to say, the, the one point, the raised on on drug testing mm-hmm. in football is that actually the, the the rates of people using banned substances. Um, if you if you take out the, um, I think I'm sure they said there was something like 0.4 percent of players sampled at the last World Cup. Tested positive for something, and if you take out the recreational drugs and look purely for the performance-enhancing drugs, it goes down to 0.03 percent or something like that. Yeah. Um. Be- because there isn't that much of a doping issue in football. The the biggest problem in football is actually non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, and abuse of those, and the the havoc that that's wreaking on young players' bodies. But it. Um, In terms of pure doping, it's not really a big issue in football because it's not just about pure athletic strength or ability. There's a lot more to it. There's a lot more tactically and there's a lot more in in terms of skill and ability um, that actually putting excess muscle bustable on, for example, might make you a worse player or might unbalance you and lead to problems with, you know, you're carrying two-ton on your upper body and all of a sudden your hamstrings kind of cope with it and mm. and and so it was it was very interesting to hear listen to me, Michel de Hugo, the 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 head of the fifa medical committee very proudly saying
2: mm. about
1: doping in football not really an issue and and they tested every player at the last world cup and because the, the um medical center in brazil wasn't what i approved they flew every sample taken of every player to the labs in Lucerne to do the tests within 24 hours. I mean, that's a phenomenal effort, really. Um, and I think it, I think they deserve a bit of praise for that, to be fair.
3: Mm. There's a lot of people do do a lot of great things that don't often get mm. the same level of headlines as everything else, so you, I totally agree with that. Look, guys, I'm very sorry, but I'm going to have to...
0: No, no that's sorry, thanks. Nice, I thought we'd give you a nice, easy question at the end, Adrian. <laughs> <Very good. laughs>
1: Thank you, Adrian. Appreciate
3: <laughs> Thanks for the
0: pleasure. Thanks very much, Adrian. No problem at all. Bye-bye. Take now. care. Now. Speak to you again. Take care. Bye-bye. Oh, what, a, what a great interviewer he is, isn't he? Great. Knows his stuff. Uh, he knows what to say, when to say it. Brilliant.
2: Hmm.
0: I like it.
1: Um, Very, you know, very knowledgeable, very measured and very sensible. I like that. That's great, great. So. Yeah, it's
0: good. It's like you, you can... You can imagine if if something happens in Newcastle, the first one of the persons they should be ringing is him. <laughs> but uh, I, th- I thought the the American thing, where a lot of a lot of the the managers now, when it comes to uh, injuries or when it comes to the way people recover, um, it's quite amazing when you think of the, the footballer, especially when you said you went to the dentistry, uh, how how it involves. In the oral, the oral of the, of the, well, uh, the player it's amazing really when you think we've been
1: putting it. forward a number of things and, and and one thing that i was very proud to take part of this was, it was the first time they've allowed um dentists to speak at a fifa medical conference um mm-hmm. i'm part of the european association of sports dentistry um and under that rule, we are f- affiliated with something called ECOSEP, which is the European College of Sports and Exercise Physicians. And it was their congress in association with FIFA that was held here in Dubai. And my good friend Thanos from Greece he invited me to come and speak because um, yeah. we're not just what, yeah, what we're talking about is what we call oral systemic links. It's not just about injuries on the field, which actually only accounts for about three percent of football injuries involve oral facial problems. Um, but it's about how, for example, a player with gum disease um, mm-hmm. is more likely to develop tendinitis. Um, and a player who has impacted with wisdom teeth has 25% increased chance of pulling his hamstring. Um, and all of these things are starting to be proved. And it's about inflammation. And it's, uh, and, and it's something that you'd apply to the general population. What we're, mm-hmm. what we're finally doing is reclaiming roles as a physician. I know everybody thinks a dentist is big sort of tooth technicians and gum gardeners but we're, we're a little bit more than that and,
2: <laughs> and some of the
1: things they are doing are preventative and the other thing they're looking at as well is balance and basically the bottom line is, is if you're unbalanced at the top end of the chain so if you take your jaw as one end of the chain and your ankles are the bottom end of the chain if you're unbalanced at the top of the chain you're unbalanced actually all the way down the chain and that's some players who are rocking up with um, hip flexor problems also have grinding and bite problems, and the two may be linked. In fact, there's no maybe about the two are. Um, and so it's looking at ways how you can get those players because there's no obligation for the players to go and get that oral problem sorted out.
2: Mm.
1: You know, as part of a medical. There's only really Italy do oral health as a part of the football medical. Mind you, that Italy cancel transfers if players have got horrendous mouths. Oh God. Um, I, could name you, I could name you, mate. I could name you two players who missed out on moves to Italy because of that oral health. Because the Italian club turned around and said, "We're going to be paying 50 million euros for this guy. I'm mm. sorry, his mouth's a mess. He's not fit."
0: Who was that? I'm not going to say. <laughs> he
1: just said you're going to tell me what? No, I said I could <laughs> name you. Well, oh, oh, you uh, could.
0: Okay, oh. I'll find out later. Um, <laughs> how, how amazing is that? Wow. In, in, and this is
1: where we're at. But then the other stuff I was picking up there, having dinner with Barcelona's team doctor and having, oh, wow. um, you know, having a, a long chat with a group of physios from the Greek Super League,
0: mm. who
1: all are firmly behind the belief that if if their players aren't dentally fit, they're not fit, um, and were proposed. There's an outside possibility that yours truly may be involved with the UAE national football team at some stage in the near future. But that's ooh, that, and that's,
0: on that one. that's news. And ooh. See, good yeah, things happen to good people, good people, you see. I've always told yeah. you that.
1: it's, um, it's been. It, it, my head's still bouncing. I'm absolutely knackered. I didn't finish talking with um, the UAE FA until 1am and then I had to be up again for a 7am meeting this morning. Mm-hmm. It's now, what, 5 past 11 and I'm running on coffee, mate.
0: <laughs> okay, well, I'll, bring, I'll bring him in next guest so we can uh, talk obviously he was there at the weekend, and Lee Johnson uh, obviously one of my regular guests uh, good evening Lee, how are you? <coughs> I'm all right I. Uh, so tell me, obviously it's interesting news when it comes to, to Neil could be involved with the UAE uh, national team um, but when it, I think we've, we've touched on it this evening, when it, I think when it comes to the 125 year anniversary which uh, obviously, happened the weekend. We got we, we got beat, but um, there was, I think the one thing Alan Shearer alluded to at the week at the the weekend. There there wasn't uh, the group of players that should be ordinarily involved with such a celebration of a such a club. And again, our owner was missing in action as well as his uh, cohorts with uh, Mr Bishop, and the only person there was uh, Mr Mr Charlie. So you know, I think the fans did their thing. The Obviously, the the result wasn't the best. The performance either. But uh, give us your um, thoughts on it, because I think, cause I, I think uh, again, Joselu played, and uh, I, I heard that, I I read that your your son was uh, is being led astray by comments. I believe. <laughs>
5: You'll never do it again. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> hey, You'll never do it again. One of those <laughs> one moments, magic. It was. We we're standing in the we we're standing in the ground, and his name was announced, and he just started a boo. He's seven year old, and I just looked at him mm-hmm. and went, "What you doing?" Like that, with me teeth oh. gritted, and then me mum went, and then me mum went, hey, "You need to listen to your dad," because my mum was there. It's because obviously me uh, me mum uh, me wife's um, <clears throat> mom's partner is always griefing him. He's rubbish. Him. He's rubbish. He's rubbish. He's he shouldn't be playing he shouldn't be this and i just say well he's doing a job he's trying his best it's not that like a try and he was 5 million for a reason Um, I mean I'm I'm as disappointed as anyone what's going on at the moment I didn't think that um, things off the field would have an effect of what's happening on the field but I actually feel that it actually is now Um, just looking at just looking at certain things, and you're right, Andrew. When you're touching on the 125th anniversary, uh, I was staggered by the by, staggered by a lot of the people. Well, two two people in particular missing an action, Kevin Egan and uh, Alan Shearer. You know the word. Both announced in the um, in the team of the um, uh, the 11 best players uh, in the 125 years in Newcastle. But um, I can understand why the likes of those probably weren't there. I might not even have been invited, but I, I don't think anyone really wants to cosy up or be close to this regime apart from mm. Chief R slicker Bob Moncur. Um I don't think anyone I don't think anyone's interested in cosying themselves up in this particular regime unless they've got a job for life within it. Um it's disappointing and um I just think it, I think this takeover thing is, is getting to everybody now. Um I think it, I think it's the, the thing Mike Astley has created within Newcastle United is doubt. Um, and the doubt is there for all to see. Everyone's concerned, worried that it's not going to happen because he needs to go. <laughs> he has to be... We'll have to get rid of this man. He, you know, he's, uh, he's used the term cancer, but, you know, he, this guy... This guy has sucked the life out of the fan base in the last 10 years. Um, the greatest gift that he's created in the fan base is uncertainty. Um, you know, he's, he's convinced... A lot of the fan base that he runs Poundland, you know, he's he's a he's a billionaire at the end of the day, but he's run your castle like you know pound stretcher, and I think it's about time that I just we just need him to sell up and go. We're in we're in dire straits. Sadly, I don't think the team's as bad as what it's shown on the pitch. I just think we're going through a bad spell. I hope yeah. we're going to come through that, but unfortunately, we can't afford to have five or six players having off days, which is happening currently at this particular moment in time. One reason, or no, one reason or another, Rappers Wall, which was built at the start of the season, is just, it's just falling down currently. The players are making basic errors for me, not, not monumental errors. Every goal we're seems to be a basic error. You know, Marino, it's a five yard pass. You he agree. gives a five yard pass away mm-hmm. and it leads to a goal. Darlow should really save it, but it's a five yard pass. And that's what's happening in games, Andrew. We're giving the ball away. That's Lee. In the last goal, I mean, I would tear my hair out. You know, Lejeune dealt with Vardy. But then Kieran Clark, inexplicably like a seven-year-old child, starts chasing the ball with Vardy. What's mm. he doing? Why is he not looking behind him? And, and, and these kind of things are, are very basic errors, which we weren't doing. We were, mm. we were tight. We were compact. We were difficult to beat. And no one knew how to break us down. But for one, one reason or the other, along with Rafa, Rafa's um, formation change, which I still find bizarre to this day. It's just for some reason up.
0: <laughs> I think um, we are
1: the masters of our own downfall at the moment, aren't we? It just seems to be. Possibly. Can't just get it right. There seems, there seems to be a lack of leadership on the field at the moment. If you Neil, if you
5: Neil, if you I think if you probably if we sat here, the three of us analysed every single goal. We've conceded since Lascelles went off the field against um, Bournemouth injured. So mm. um, all avoidable. It's not mm. like it's not like a team's cut us open and I stood there and went, "Wow, look at that! What a finish that is!" Yeah. That hasn't been the case. Can not we,
1: We've always been able to recognise when a team has done something ridiculously good and gone, "Yeah, oh, do you know what? We'll take that one wow. on the chin." Absolutely. And you're right. You you can you can you can look and pick it, just about every goal. And say, yep. well, if that hadn't happened, then maybe it's one other goal down. If that hadn't happened, maybe it's one other two goals down. It, it was very frustrating. I mean, I, I was supposed to be at this gala dinner, and um, I, I excused myself from the table around about the middle of the middle of the the, the main course. When I, when everybody realised what I was doing, it was just like, oh, well, he's off to watch the match? You know, it was quite good. It
2: was a FIFA <laughs> thing,
1: <laughs> and a couple of them come and watched with us. Um and the the, the, the wound backwards and coming forwards with their criticism. i see you that.
5: No.
0: I think when it comes to you know, the the <clears throat> performance it's you know, you, you start so well, you get a goal and everything looks good and uh, but I, obviously I remember McMallin' turned around and say, Well, you know, there's not a lot of talking going on there in that team and um you know the the one thing that the cells bring is is communication. I think we found. I think unfortunately for um, you know you look at Dwight Gale, he's back. The good thing about the good the positive you can take from the game is Dwight Gale's back. He that is man the, is back. He
5: is the he is the positive. You're yeah. right. He's he's moving freely again.
0: But you've There's got to no look at Richie. Richie to me, uh, would probably lose his place now. I think he's been lucky the last couple of games where. He's actually played. He, yes, he, he will, runs around. He puts the effort in, but we need more. Um, you would hope on Wednesday it's going to be. Well, you know we're going to have to wait and see, aren't we? But um, don't have players in the under twenty threes. You've got to wonder if they, if they're still, they're going to give a bit more time to come through. You got the south, so sh- hopefully she'll be back. You know, well, Atsu back on on the on his normal side. The, the one thing you've got to me is like, I've, I've liked the look of Murphy. Um, it's amazing, isn't it? He, he's got something about him. He's definitely, you watch him now, he, can't, he seems to lose players when, he's going, when, he, when he drives forward. But that's the problem, is that well, you, oh. you can't redevelop him really because you're going dis- to bring in like for like to, to replace him. I was disappointed with him actually on Saturday. Yeah. I just didn't think he. I just didn't think he
5: got a Danny Simpson enough. Mind you, he played an absolutely lovely ball uh, for the first quarter, mm. Dwight Gale, before Dwight Gale pushed it, pulled it back for Hosselin. Really.
0: Um, yeah.
5: You know, so, you know, he's got, he, he's got that in his locker. He's a young lad, he's learning the game. We, we, unfortunately, Andrew, in relation to what Rafa said, we, you know, we're in this position because what we've done is what we did in the summer. Um, we can't afford to be two or three players down. Two or three of our better players down as well. You know, mm-hmm. Dumit, regardless of how we've done, Dumit, as far as I'm concerned, Dummett is a, is a solid defender, and that's what we need to get back to. Back to basics. So the sooner mm-hmm. he's back in the side, the better for me. Be. Lassell is a massive presence. He's, you know. If you see him, he's a physical he's specimen. He's, a, he's the same size. He's the same size as the likes of Anthony Joshua, and he just brings that presence to the scene, it's A bit of an aura about him. And as well, obviously, he was injured last year. Clearly, he's a different animal this year. He's quick. He's mobile. He's agile. He's, 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 he's a vocal point. He's the, mm-hmm. you know, he's the figurehead of the team. And, and he is being, hes greatly missed. But although I read some that stuff about people's reactions to the results, Rafa needs to deal. Rafa needs to go. By the odd book, um, you know, I get people questioning what's going on with team selection at this particular moment in time, certain players, certain regions, and that's that's just football. That's opinions. Mm-hmm. Josie Josie Mourinho probably got pulled apart after the the match yesterday against Man City, when Man City absolutely just told him a new uh, butthole in it Old trotted. Mm-hmm. So Rafa's going to get questions, and I'm questioning certain things. I still don't understand why we changed um, from the from his tried and tested, which he. Pretty much played all the way through the championship season, getting us ready for this season where we're going to be tight and compact to to play in four four two where we're, we're, we're incredibly open. Andrew, I mean, you, you would have seen on Saturday, Leicester seemed to have an extra body in midfield all the time. Yeah. To us. The amount of time, the amount of shots they had before Morez actually scored, they had about three or four sighters before Morez scored. I just think we're too open, and I don't think we're good enough to play a four four two. I just don't think we've got good enough footballers at this particular moment in time to clear that. Um, so I am just disappointed at the minutes and, you know it's, it's you look at you look at Leicester, Leicester you look at Brighton, you look at Huddersfield and you look at Burnley, where all those games we should have picked up a point in. Mm. We should have definitely picked up one point. And our position in the league would have been like we would have been sitting with nineteen points if we picked up there, those four points and we would have been quite comfortable with that, but we're not. And we've got an absolutely massive game now on Wednesday against um, Everton, and unfortunately that's uh, the biggest Charlotte and then football coming back in our stadium. Um, he'll love to, he'll love to, he love to screw us over on Wednesday night, no doubt about that. Yeah,
0: Neil, what do you think of that? Obviously the performance was, mm. you know, it's like he, he it was can because,
1: you know, you, you you get one up, and you yeah. think ride right the wave, take it, take it away from them, ride right mm. it. And then we give a stupid equaliser over here. Marino's then, pass, man. It was. Five yards. Was
5: Five you know yards as well, Neil. Five yards. And that's and what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks.
2: our five-yard uh,
5: balls going astray. We're scrambling back to 2-2 and you think,
1: hey, we've got a chance here. Mm-hmm. And then that last, that third goal was just... <laughs>
5: ugh.
0: It was Especially happy. when you see him running... I'm, I'm, the thing is, to me, he's running. Me. He realizes he he's got. Most. He can catch him.
5: That goal literally summed up the 125, 125 oh, years oh. of Newcastle United, didn't it? No, You're yeah. like that. I was just like sitting there thinking, "How the me. most Newcastle
1: United uh, thing yeah. to do? It was. If,
0: it was. I think the fact that he didn't even run until he was well past him, you know, that that sums up Perez a lot of ways, but. When you run that quick to try and stop, get to the ball, you do everything you can to go sideways to get the ball, to run at that speed and just to get a toe on it. It's the keeper's going to have no chance in hell. And i oh, when it went in, it was just so obvious. And you know, it, and plus obviously tonight we're seeing um, what's his name Um Mitrovic uh, being linked with going to West Ham. Which you can imagine if he's been if he's been linked to go to West Ham, there, there could be there could be a return of the Gated Angel if he's being offered to West Ham as the papers saying. That? Because if you if you look at I, I looked at West Ham and obviously the, the amount of stick that um, Moyes has got quite rightly for the the way he's, he's, his last couple of jobs have gone, uh, the one player that seemed to be uh, you know. That he would go to would be Andy Carroll. Now, but then when you watch them play, they've got more pace in that team than I've ever seen them have. So maybe with uh, even though he's being linked, it wouldn't make much sense. I'll I'll get to you. I'll ask Lee. I'll ask uh, ask Neil. So would that make sense to you, Lee?
5: I'd have Andy Carroll. I'd have a fit Andy Carroll back tomorrow. No problem. No, no questions asked. Andy Carroll was a better player than Mitrovic when fully fit. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. Andy Carroll never should have left Newcastle United. He was born to play here. Mm-hmm. Um, he never should have left. Um, he was he was actually becoming unplayable at Newcastle United, and he actually he actually at the time did justify that price tag that Liverpool paid for him. Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to go on to great things, but for one reason or the other, um, it had not worked out for him. He just pick, he picks up little niggles here and there. He doesn't play consistently, so. Um, I'd take him back tomorrow, Andrew. If you could get 12, 13 games out of him, I think um, he would be rather helpful actually. Um, but we'll have to see. Um, it's the kind of deal that I suppose if there's no takeover, probably could be done. Um, so it makes sense in terms of what you're saying there that, that something like that might happen if there's no takeover.
0: Neil?
1: Oh, I hope not. <laughs> the the, the key, key thing for me is you've you hit the nail on the head. of fit Andy Carroll. I don't think he'll be fully fit again, mate. Oh, I that's think that's it. A problem. I think he's had a problem with his fitness, and it and it's it's simple lifestyle, lifestyle, lifestyle,
5: lifestyle,
1: and and and, um, you know he he comes back, he breaks down, he lasts so many, um games and breaks down again, mm. um, I think there's, there's a lot of things need to be addressed with that young man, now Aye. it may well be he's happier at home, you know, you, you, you get the odd person in sports, and I'll t- tell you what springs to mind straight away is Steve, Steve Armisen, who yeah. struggled bitterly on tours with England, terribly homesick. Mm-hmm. struggled immensely. If, if Flintoff wasn't around, he was even worse, apparently. Yeah. Um, and and so, you know, bright lights of London and all that, it, it, it is of how he goes on, a bit of front. Does he re- Would he really be happier at home and therefore would he put a better shift in? And sometimes when he isn't playing at West Ham, would he play for us? Because it's playing for us. Um, so th- 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 I'd... There's a lot of question marks over it for me. That said, we need to get something for Mitrovic. If he's not going to play him,
5: Maybe January's haven't.
1: the only time we need to be cashing in on him. And if yeah. that's the only way we can get a deal done, I would rather have... take that chance that Benitez is more comfortable and happier to use Andy Carroll than he is Mitrovic
4: mm-hmm.
1: in the circumstance that we're in. Because all we've got, all we've got to do is 17th. And everything yep. after that doesn't really matter.
2: Yep. And so Absolutely.
1: there's a damn good chance. And again, I would take Andy Carroll and the, my concerns over him over Yossalou, for example. Yeah. Because I think he offers, I think, you know, same, same for me. Um, so I think it's a
0: week, it's a definite week for me. It's, yes, he by praying Jossalou at the weekend, he. he I think that's the thing about Joselu. You might get a better performance from him when he is dropped for a couple of games. Bring him back mm-hmm. in. He may, like, like he proved it to me because he scored yeah. a goal. You
5: know what it is, Andrew. But he you wasn't, know when he
0: put he put it in the side where he shouldn't have, but he got lucky. You
5: know what it is, Andrew. He wasn't playing. He wasn't playing too bad. He hasn't played. He hasn't played um, anything worse than he, what he's done since he came into the club. The biggest problem that he's got. He's clearly not a confident. He's not a. He's not a, He's not a very good finisher. Um, he's not confident in front of goal. His hold up play and his general all round game has been all right for us. He's brought people into play, and I seen a stat about us the other day, uh, in the in the bottom half of the league, where the top goal scorers, uh, all the teams in the bottom half of the league, Newcastle United have scored the most goals. Wherever you points out that we've got a problem scoring goals, well in the bottom half yeah, of the table. Ship, that's the that's, that's where that's the West biggest problem at this them. particular moment in time, Neil. And it's right, and that's where. Well, at the end of the day, we scored two goals at home on Saturday. Two goals at home would suggest you could win a football match. We scored two goals away. We scored two. Goals yeah, we scored two goals away at West Brom. You know, you should go maybe potentially win a football match. We have mm. took the lead against. Um, we took the lead at Old Trafford. We took the lead at. We took the lead at Chelsea, but then. We'll allow teams back in the game within five to ten minutes. That's not the hallmark of a Rafa Benitez side. The moment we took the lead in those two games, one at Old Trafford and one at Chelsea at the time, especially Old Trafford. I thought, oh, Man united has got a game on here trying to break us down. Then we just conceded two basic headed goals. So we, we need to get that back sorted. That is, that, that's where we're having our biggest problem. It, our biggest problem at this particular moment in time is not scoring goals. It's stopping goals.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I think this 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 is the issue, is it? But I think um, you know, I think everybody's putting it, uh, the the problem with Newcastle is that everybody people are saying, oh, we shouldn't we should be thinking about the, the takeover, but everything is linked to the takeover. Like exactly. as as Neil pointed out earlier when he spoke to Adrian, is that he's um, you know could there be a deal? Could there be something happened that? Um, near the window that there's an a, a agreement in place and we can funnel money to Rafa to buy to buy some because we're now in the now in the 10th of, uh, of of December and you're looking at less than a month before the window opens again and we still don't know and I, I, I'll i consider the guess that uh, Rafa is having a deal in the loan market because if he's being linked is that if he's being linked, if he's being linked Oh, he's he's got to sell to buy essentially. So if he's being linked with West Ham, um, we're, we're up a gum tree because he's not going to. Even though even though people are saying, well, he has to give money, he 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 won't give he won't give money, will he? Because if he's if he's kind of got one bid in the table and allegedly one other for £320 million, Well, that's, that's a load the, of rubbish. I, that's the When I read load that, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I must have, I was like, a load
5: of rubbish, yeah. there's, no other, there's no other bid on the table. There's no one who's went through the full, proper process. Even that guy who, who had on the night, Adrian Bevan, said the hardest part of buying a football club is going through due diligence. She's yeah. the only one who's done that. It's a load of rubbish about this second bid on the table. It's just him and he clowns Agreed. just putting stuff out in the media. Agreed. Yeah.
1: And, and I think I honestly think now, you trying to manipulate the media a little bit to cast doubt on the integrity of PCP and, and, and whether they whether they can actually do it or not. Because I think um, he's holding out for an absolutely unreasonable asking price. Um, and I'll, I personally would love to know what PCP's plans are. It would be interesting to see if they were, would be prepared to come out and say something along the of, Do you know what? If we manage to get our hands on the club, this is what we've got in mind. <laughs> uh,
5: and if they say they're going to try and take it forward, that would well and truly put the pressure on them.
2: Absolutely.
5: Uh, yeah, Absolutely. I, I,
1: mean, I, think, uh, I think that's the way, um, you know, if I was in that situation, I think that's the way I'd be playing it now.
5: Every day,
1: every day passes... Every result like Saturday's value drops, I think. The value of that club drops, it drops significantly by the day. So, say they're about my understanding is something along the lines of of the order of 80 million apart, right? Um, That's 320,
0: isn't it?
1: Really, every passing day that comes down and comes down and comes down. comes not Mike Ashton's word, it doesn't go. True.
0: It it doesn't. True. I think we. This is the this is the thing. we're talking cross purposes. It doesn't matter what we think is, a, is the right deal. He's never going to accept 250 million now.
1: Yeah, but, but why? Why is he getting out? What is he wanting to do? All right. I, he's he's obviously got a plan. Now, he he,
2: he yeah. says
1: he wants rid of the club. <laughs> Therefore, what's your plan, mate? And, mm-hmm. and and hanging on to the club isn't doing you any good. Isn't nope. doing the club any good? So it's not getting you what you want. There's only one offer on the table. There's nothing going on other than they're the only show in town. You know it. There's no stalking horse mm-hmm. bid. Nah. No. I've heard rumours of a consortium headed by somebody that would... It would if that rumour is true, there'll be riots in Newcastle. If that was true, because a it's apparently false, and b it's all about trying to drive P C up. I think Amanda Stavely's cleverer than that. I think P C P have got bigger balls than that. I think I she's think got big. I think she's got bigger balls than Mate Actually, to be
5: honest, I think me. she's well aware. I think that she's well aware. She's getting. The, she's going to end up getting the club for exactly what she said she wanted it for. I, I, I don't. I, I, the big thing. The big thing is with it. It's like um, he. He wants out, apparently, you know, this this is what we're here. You know, like what Neil said about the the value drop, and I know you're saying, Andrew, not in my ass, he said, Mm -hmm. but ultimately, the longer it goes on, if Rafa isn't back in January and we ultimately go down, the club will just be worth what Sunderland's currently now worth. Literally now. So what's he going to get out of it then?
1: Well, I mean, Sunderland's worth less than the owner's house.
5: Well, that's it. You know, it's, uh, I mean, and and that's and that's what will happen to the club, minds. Because I only um, people only stayed around because of Rafa Benitez. That's a fact. People only came back because of Rafa Benitez. There might be questions regarding certain things Rafa's doing at this particular moment in time from a football point of view. But people only stayed. Sellouts against Burton and Rotherham and things like that are because of Rafa Benitez, not because Mike Ashley be Newcastle United. You know. We need, I think, like I said, I think the un, the uncertainty, the, um, the doubt Mike Ashley creates is just getting everyone a little bit, how can I put it, tetchy. And of course, results aren't helping. If results con- continue to be okay and we're not looking over our shoulders and, and we're comfortably sitting on, I don't know, 25 points, we,
2: we'll, we'll be okay
5: about it maybe, but we're not. We actually do need help in January. We do need reinforcements. And I think the concern is if Mike Ashley still owns us, is he going to help? He didn't help last January. He gambled that we'd get promoted and we did, and then he clearly went back on his word in the summer, which is just just him really to take.
0: Yeah, definitely. I must say when you saw that a lot of the press afterwards said, you know, he looked really deflated, Rafa. and this mm-hmm. this this is the problem. The, the worst the worst scenario for us it'll kick off. Something will happen Wednesday, because if this malaise keeps on happening the 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 fans will start to show more frustration because they'll not, they'll, they'll not mean it but um, you know that I think uh, even in commentary they'll say oh you could like you know a, a pass went astray that the crowd immediately uh, you know unhappy I think the I think the one thing I like about McManaman at least he said oh they're, they're not they're not getting at the players they're oh, just nervous no. we're just nervous
5: no, the funds. The funds were relatively have been relatively good over the last few weeks, even when we've struggled. I think, I think, I think for me, like I said, Andrew and, and Neil, when I've been serious, we've been making, making absolutely basic errors. I'm, I'm not talking about someone hitting a twenty-five, thirty-yard pass over somebody's head out of the play. I'm talking about a simple five-yard ball,
2: mm-hmm.
5: a simple five-yard ball inside the, to to a to a player in black and white, mm-hmm. and that has been things that have been falling down. Like I said, the third goal. Leicester's winning and goal summed up the last six to eight weeks. You know, Kieran Clark was like a seven year old child following the ball when um Lejeune was dealing with it. I've I've never seen anything like that for a long, long time in football in general. I just thought, where's he going? I, I mean it was that's where I sit. And when Kieran Clark stood come running toward me, I was probably shouting, Where the fuck are you going in slow motion? As I could see all oh, Okazaki oh, exactly behind him, thinking he hasn't even looked over his shoulders. He's never just wandered. After Lejeune left this kid on Martin, of course, Perez should have followed Okazaki, but really, Perez wouldn't have had to follow Okazaki if um, Kieran Clark was doing his, um, his job. Um, it was just bizarre, but that's the way, that's what's been happening. We're conceding absolutely rank bad, terrible goals. There's no goals like Coutinho scored against us uh, St. James's mm. Park when he's rifled it in from 30 yards. Goals like that aren't happening.
0: The one thing I take issue terrible. with is. The one thing I take issue is with the goal that... Da- the first goal that went past Darlow. Darlow
1: should save it.
0: Like, to me, I looked at that and I thought, well, he's go- every goalkeeper's going to go f- full tilt. And Andrew... So what there's no Rafa- way he's and not Andrew, trying what- to Andrew, save Andrew, it. Andrew,
5: <laughs> Andrew, what did Rafa want in the summer?
0: Yeah, he wanted a goalkeeper. Now, yeah. <laughs> now he wants down? another defender. Doesn't
5: and was he, he, he let down? Yeah. There you go. Mike, I think he's at the thing, United.
0: I think the problem is, I think, obviously, now people are... Can't understand why he wants a defender. Well, he's probably sussed out that uh, Kieran well, Clarke well,
1: leaking bloody goals left, yeah. right, and centre. That would be the be the main key. Is yeah. it's what,
2: what, it? it
1: Least, quite rightly said. You score two goals at home, you expect to win the game.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You shouldn't be losing a game at home when you score twice. Mm-hmm.
2: No.
5: I'm not going, I'm not going. I'm not going to turn. I'm not going to turn on these players saying they aren't good enough. I, I'm mm-hmm. reading that right. I'm reading they, yeah, well, they aren't need, good they enough. They need I'm, something. Fresh. I believe. I I, Neil, I believe some of them are still good enough. I just think they're going through a particularly bad spell. And they're I would in. love us, I would love us, because this, this annoyed me, this, the a night the living daylights me when we were winning games at the beginning of the season, when people were saying, we were boring to watch. Boring to watch? <laughs> it was beautiful to watch. <laughs> they're no one could break us down. We were winning football matches. I loved how we worked as a unit. We, we, yeah. It was like watching a team of swans following each other, back forward, back forward, back forward. No-one was breaking us down. It was brilliant to watch. And we just need to get back to that basic, boring... If everyone can, I don't know, Like I said, I don't understand where they are coming from. Get back to that basic, boring, boring principle. Get behind the ball, make things difficult, and then pick with chances to move forward.
0: Yeah, bring in, obviously I'm going to bring in my next guest this evening. It's Chris Parry calling from Texas, United States. As you can tell, we're a bit frustrated this evening uh, with Newcastle United. We've had a great guest in Adrian Bevington... Uh, who had been with the FA? So good evening to you, Chris.
6: Good, good evening, guys.
0: How are you doing?
6: I'm doing all right. I'm a, I'm frustrated like like the rest of you. I thought I uh, I came in right when the guy was saying let's be boring, boring, boring. I totally agree. I mean, it's the the fact
2: the,
6: the fact is is that Newcastle all of a sudden has turned into the Newcastle it was when we went down when the team went down the club went down because. They were shipping goals at a ridiculous rate, and that's unfortunately what's taking place right now. If it's going to come down to the relegation fight, goal difference is going to be huge. So Newcastle needs to get on, needs to keep that under control. They're scoring goals. I mean, I thought uh, Lu and I thought, yeah, I mean, I mean, Gail, my gosh, yeah. it's nice to get both both those guys on the score sheet. I mean, the fact that they scored two goals, that Newcastle scored two goals and still lost mm. home. That's crazy. I mean, that's and that's uh, that's not Benitez's way of doing things. And you can see how frustrated he is. It's uh, it, it, I I don't I wonder if this is really just LaCell. As soon as LaSalle comes back onto the team, maybe. And our guys, I'm saying right now, Darlow should have saved, or at least should have got a hand to that to that Marvage shot. I mean, you're a world class goalkeeper. I mean, not world, you're a you're a Premiership goalkeeper. You've got to be making those type of stops. And I, for the first time, I can kind of see where the goalkeeping is, is becoming an issue. There is no there, there's no command of, of of the box and of the area. Now, I'm not sure what the heck, uh, you know, what, why they changed goalkeepers to begin with. I know that, uh, you know, he got a bit of a knock. But uh, there's some things that Rafa's doing that I don't understand. But I think think Rafa's as frustrated as the rest of us. And he's just trying to find some combination that'll pull us out of it.
0: Yeah, I think when you when you look at when you look the thing is like yeah uh, to make a change to me when you look at when you look at Elliot Elliot to me hasn't done hasn't done enough. He seems to get you know he he's kicking he's you know he, he he's of the box and I, I thought with dollo being back in there I thought well he he would have learned a little bit but I've always been like, no I'm not going to say a fan of his but I've I've liked him when he's in there. Uh, But again, it's all about leadership. You normally expect your goalkeeper to be, you know, the the fulcrum, the the voice of the team. And I think as soon as you take Lascelles out there, it can't just be on one player to be the mouthpiece. And the the thing is, them two are quite... Obviously, those two players are very best friends, aren't they? So um, I'll be surprised. There'll definitely be changes. Um, I think just by scoring the goal and... It was there. I think it was Joselu's header back that led to the uh, goal for Gale. So you can imagine Joselu's going to play, which I think would still be a surprise because um, by saying that he's not going to play uh, Mitrovic unless he unless he has to, and that's from the bench. So the the only thing I can think of because of the impact that the subs had, he'll play Gale and he'll bring Perez on uh, to, alongside of him. Um and sorry, it'll be it'll be you know that's that's the thing with there being two games in, in a couple of days. Um I can I can see him go with Joshua and Perez and, and, and White. What do, what do you what do you guys think?
6: What do you guys think about uh potentially moving Atsu back to the wing and maybe putting Murphy in par and uh in Perez's o- o- position, or maybe even Richie. Look guys, we love Richie, but Richie has been oh, he, has he been- is he is not defending well. I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of crazy. and I, I don't know all these guys that, that Rafa went and got these defenders that we thought were going to be all world. They're just Lejeune these, and Mankio. They're just being, I mean, they're being found out. How many times can crosses come in and have guys just have wide open headers? It's, I thought there was a time early in the season when, remember, guys were missing some of those heads, headers. Some of those were going wide. Some of them were hitting the post. I mean, Newcastle is kind of, you know, kind of riding their luck a little bit. Well, that luck is over. <laughs> they're finding the back of the net when, whenever they're getting opportunities. And uh, yeah, that's. I think that's really the difference right now. It's just the defense. The defensive shape has been really, really poor. Yoseluu and uh, and Gale definitely seemed to work better, and there definitely was way more create. There was a lot of goal-scoring opportunities for Newcastle. They only scored two, but they had more chances. So I was happy with that. But against a team that breaks the way – it was funny. Social media was absolutely going off on a Jose Perez. If a Jose Perez does not make that touch, mm-hmm. then the dude taps the ball into the goal to begin with yeah. because he's wide open, and it was a terrific pass back. So he had to make well, he, a challenge. He just happened to cha- He just happened to stick it right in his own net. I didn't really have a problem with the own goal, except he didn't for the track fact him, that I he? can't believe that the guy was that wide open.
0: He didn't track him though, because if you look at the coverage, he he, he ran at the last minute when he saw uh, the, the the ball coming in. If he had tracked him to begin with and went with the man, he would have he would have been there to to thing it out. But that's that's a positional <laughs> sense that he doesn't seem to have. But I think he, yeah, but, but Andrew,
6: he's he not a, Andrew. He's not position. a centre back. Where the oh. heck were the other two full backs? I mean, what the heck were they doing? I don't understand why we're mad at a midfielder because he didn't track back and, and stop a play. Where the heck were the other fullbacks at the time? This wasn't like a breakaway off a throw-in where all the players are up front. This was just the normal run of play with a, with a pass. I, I couldn't understand where everybody was, why, why that was that wide open. It was a terrific pass, obviously, that cut Newcastle open, but where the heck are the center backs? I mean, you've got one that's covering, where's the other one? I mean, we're, we're going to rely on Yosi Perez to make a, a last-ditch tackle to save a goal. I mean, I, to me, the the just the defense defensive positioning overall has been so poor over the last month and a half, and that's a big reason why Newcastle's in the position that they are right now. True.
1: Yeah. That's hard to disagree, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're all over the place. Um, and and Lee again, come back to what Lee said. Our problem is not scoring goals, mm. really. It's not as we've started chipping them, which is out of character for the team. Mm. And for me, it does coincide with this odd shift to four-four-two. I thought you would do it once, show that it doesn't work, then wrap it back in. But he, he seems to be sticking with it. And then, um, <coughs> and, and Shelby's now a problem.
0: Yeah, as well. I was wondering about he can't Shelby get
1: yeah. in, can't get in the team. So what's he's worth. If he can't get in the team then he's another one that should be shipped in January if we can. Mm. For somebody who can make a difference in the team. Um and again how much of that is Shelby's mentality, how much of that is, you know, mental with him. I, I he's I can't he definitely, definitely had
0: I think it was mm. quite interesting that uh um, said last season when things went against Shelby you know, in training, whatever whatever it was, his head would go down and he, he would struggle mentally to recover. Mm. Well, that to me is a warning light that should be a, a, a big light going off. And the thing is, you can the, the one thing you can see in this because what's what's going on with the whole club, the, he's going to look. He'll, he'll look. He'll, I think will be. Newcastle will be very, very busy just for the fact that he will he'll, you he, he'll probably have to sell to, to bring money in and um he's probably already probably got deals o- organized and uh especially if they if the one the one to west Ham is yeah, true but
5: andrew andrew he had de- he had deals organized in the summer that's why he yeah. didn't take the holiday and what happened to those deals
2: yeah
5: it didn't happen so yeah. there's no guarantee what's going to happen in january not
0: other well you, you you would think i must say when when we did hear about stavely meeting with uh Actually, I must have. Thought, oh, great stuff! They've met. Uh, there'll be a plan of action going forward, and uh, they had a great, good night eating. And you, you think everything's great, and now it's like, well, people say, well, we shouldn't talk about the, the takeover, but everything is linked with this takeover. Everything money-wise. I what do we? Andrew, what do we do?
5: I got Andrew. She, he, they, they both came out of the um, the curry house smiling.
0: Yeah, so it was
5: probably one because with her being a woman, she probably left some, she probably left some of her chicken and he, and he was able to eat it. That's probably why.
0: The fat kid. <laughs> it was actually surprising because I think uh, people always think when they go for meals, it's really expensive It's and it's everything and it was quite a, uh, a cheapish um, uh, meal, wasn't it? But, you know, it's, it's the, the worst thing about this headline about um, uh, Mitrovich, when you read it, He's been offered to West Ham. West Ham hadn't made a bid. They've they've actually offered him. So, I think the fact that West Ham have made this announcement, well, you know, come out to the press and said he's been offered them, it's, it, you know...
3: That was part of the oh, Yeah, the, the do- the it's, like
0: it's, it's interesting because, you know, if it's the other way around. You can think, OK, they, they, they're, they're interested in him, but it's never a good sign. Especially when I've seen it numerous times when you cast the, the press of course, Newcastle being offered this player. Well, the reason why they've been offered him because they didn't want him. <laughs> that's that's the thing. I can't remember one person. I don't know if Neil can remember, but of a player that Newcastle being offered who actually liked him. You know, you you've got you got to think uh, the the one player you would think might be a short term gap, uh, but he's a Man United and he's he's been sick for a bit. Is even though he's a bit sure. older now, it's the person that you need and in that midfield. Is a, is a Michael Carrick. Boy. Yeah, he's he's in in
6: the castle, but Carrick's not coming in the hold, We've held up oh, that we've that
0: forever. Yeah, but that's the trouble, isn't it? We we, you, we the fact that if they're going to get if they're going to get rid of Shelby and there's a problem there, um, you know the options.
5: I don't see us getting rid of Shelby, Andrew. We haven't. We're not good enough to get rid of. We haven't got good enough players to get rid of Shelby currently. (laughs) He's one of our better players. Yeah, he's not playing at this particular moment in time, but we can't afford to get rid of John Joe Shelby currently. I I mean, I'm a critic of his because I just sometimes don't think he works hard enough. But well, squad wise, there's no no way we can afford to offload John Joe Shelby in January without having a replacement.
0: Yeah, it's just it's just an interesting thing that he can't get into a struggling team and we're, obviously we're a bit more wide open but I, I, the, the worst the worst thing for me is we've got Everton with the guy who, who will probably stifle the hell out of Newcastle even though he should be thinking well Newcastle in a bad spot uh, I'm talking about Big Sam Allardyce oh so. my
5: god I can't believe you just referred to him as that
0: yeah Please, that, the thing please, is with him, you've
5: you just you literally just enhanced his ego. You <laughs> not call him Big Sam. If you want to call him anything, just call him soul. Everyone knows who you're talking about.
0: <laughs> but that, the, that's the worst thing about it. He'll he'll be coming there and he he'll think keep them quiet for thirty minutes. But I I think on Wednesday we should see an improved team. I think there will be changes. Um, but with this, the thing we don't quite know what's going to happen next. Andrew, Andrew,
6: they were an improved team. I mean, I thought, I thought, I thought Saturday they played well. Yeah, I mean, I, I really did. I mean, my gosh, to come in and to get the first goal mm-hmm. and to really you know put Leicester uh, you know, under some pressure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, of course Leicester. I mean, Leicester won the league last year. Let's not forget, guys, or two years ago. So mm-hmm. they're not they're not your typical bottom feeder team anymore. You know, they're a, they're mm-hmm. a top Premiership side. They were they were pressuring. I thought Newcastle handled it and. <laughs> I just I don't understand how they keep giving up these goals. I mean the the lack of defensive awareness is is just it's criminal right now. It's unbelievable how they have officially. I mean they took the lead on this team and had and then they came back and tied. And I mean, you think you think finally the alarm bells would go off and let's let's, to and let's find a way to let's get a point, going. But it just, it, there's nothing that's clicking with Newcastle. I've I mean, and, and I hear, I know the fans get riled up and the players want to try to impress the fans, and that's all rightly so. But you can't blame the fans for that. I mean, it's, there's something seriously wrong right now.
5: Mm-hmm. Chris I mean, Chris is 100% right there, Andrew. We did play well on Saturday. We played yeah. really well on Saturday, but we're just giving up basic goals. And if you're going to concede basic goals, you're not going to win football matches. And as well, as well, what Chris said, you know, Leicester. Leicester were champions two seasons ago. Leicester have spent like 30 million on footballers and 40 million on footballers. There was a 30 million footballer not even on the bench for the Leicester the other day. That's the Mali, or whatever his name. And that's what Mike Ashley's reduced us to. You know, they're spending 30 and 40 million on footballers, and we're we're shopping at Poundland for five. are buying five, we're paying five million for the likes of just Josselin works, he's hard off, bless him. But you pay five million for somebody. For a reason, they're not going to score you. They're not going to score you 15 or 20 goals a season, and that's where our biggest problem lies. So, if we go into the game against Everton with the same kind of ma- mindset and we will work just as hard, if we can just cut out the silly mistakes, we'll certainly give Everton the game on uh, Wednesday night. I think uh, exactly that's right.
0: Good. I think uh, yeah. No, go ahead, Andrew. I, I, I was going right. to
2: say,
0: I was going to say Neil, the one thing that I liked, especially in the midfield, when. When the players were close to each other, we, in, especially in the midfield, the passes, we had them in trouble. And I think that set, that that unfortunate miss, which I thought was a great strike from uh, Gale, that just, did, <laughs> you know, you, you felt when he hit it, it's it's in the it's in the corner, it's in the back you of the net. You felt it
6: was too. You felt it was two nil. You, felt it was you it was No, two-nil. I think we're, was it? we
0: were lucky because we were very close to going two 0 up
6: yeah, we with were,
0: that yeah. uh, shot by Gale that you know it, it's just un- it was unlucky i thought the thing is we, we seem to be able to damage teams when we when we're the players are close together in midfield and this quick passing and we we can get it teams uh i find in the midfield area but um the problem is when you when i look at that midfield you know you've got hayden in there you, you kind of got one person who can make the pass uh, and you would think in this situation Shelby would be a, a, a good you know and also because we've, we've talked about this for ages can Marino and Shelby be in the same team but you've got to add Hayden in there as the insurance or you could this is the thing I, I don't get with Shelby if if one's going to go the other one should back up for the person there well, and that's the problem you can't mm-hmm. imagine telling Shelby to do that because he. He doesn't seem to have the capacity.
5: I'd like to see Marino in the number ten role, and I'd like to see Shelby and Hayden behind them.
0: Yeah, possibly. You know, yeah.
6: That would be more of a four. That would be more of a four-two-three-one though. Now, now we're not yeah. doing four-two-four-four-two because we've got to have the guys on the wings. So
0: we I'd like to have all those
5: midfielders. I'd still like to go back to that, Chris, because I just think we're too open at the minute. I think teams are coming through us far too easy through the middle.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, it just seemed like Neil. What do you think? It looks far too easy to Leicester. Uh, once they once they went one nil down, they they just had so many. They seemed to double up in on well, uh, Manquillo, yeah. and, and that's what that's what happened, isn't it? Manquillo was the one that lost the ball when he was, It seemed easier to keep on going.
1: We went into a shell as well, though. Back off! Yeah.
5: Back off! Back
1: off!
0: Yeah, you could see ten yards further back.
1: Deep
6: deeper yeah. Deep deeper.
1: Deep. Yep. Um. Which is famous. And also, Almost there did. was
6: no size, guys. Neil, there yeah. was no size. Like, uh, the, the big dude for Lester. I mean, how about that play mm-hmm. when Murphy thought he had a chance in the box and that guy just shrugged him mm-hmm. off. Drugged him off like he was nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, oh, penalty, penalty. No, it's not a penalty. That's a big stone man in the premiership mm-hmm. that <laughs> yes. just shrugged him off like a big center back supposed to do. I, I don't see that happening in Newcastle right now. I don't see that deal on defense at all. Well, and I don't understand let me, why.
0: Let me bring in the last L- call L- of the night L- before is. the show ends and that's St John, uh you know, regular guest of the show. Good evening, John. How are you?
4: Good evening, lads. How are we yeah, doing? I can, hear
0: you. I can hear you, John. Good evening. So, obviously, we're, we're all frustrated with what's going on with Newcastle and uh, the takeover and, and the play. Mm. Um, mm. So, you know, the, the, we're talking about formations uh, and obviously Shelby's not getting the team, which uh, even as a sub, he's not getting on. So, it's an interesting thing that's going on with Newcastle, but as I've mentioned before, it's, I think it's down to Shelby's mindset more than anything that he can't get back in.
4: Well, I mean, um, well, Rafa knows about, probably know about it anyway, but, I mean, surely now you have to bring him in now on Wednesday because we, I think he's been missed on there Saturday, so with his this was passing in this... Um, leadership sort of thing well, but I mean the midfield I just didn't think really comfortable on Saturday to be honest, with you. especially in the first half because it just let Leicester play. But um uh, Lee said earlier on that five yard pass sort of thing was let them back in the game and then once they got in the game there's probably gonna be one winner sort of thing. So I mean all in all it started well and uh it could have gone two up but uh but for one warning twice from greer before Leicester Valley collars from in after that. We just completely lost the way a little bit. But there's no um what's the word there's absolutely no creativity in the midfield when you have got um here and uh Marino I mean, we know, I mean he did have the best of games really so we need to get Shelby on on Wednesday no matter what because I don't know if it's going to Rafa and John but something does seem quite right in the minute between the two.
0: Yeah, it's
5: Andrew, you seen that t- the news on Twitter, I don't know how true it is. It says breaking news, Kate of over deal done. The fee uh, t- of 300 million agreed mike ashley will spend in january pcp will pay him the money back that he spends will be announced as new owner early in 2018. I
2: haven't is that breaking seen, news I've...
5: is that breaking news well it's not off anything but then there's something, I on, ITV. there's something on itv.com as well wow
6: I haven't yeah. seen anything, I'm and over and here I'm, in it. Yeah, I've seen nothing. it always guitar.
0: happens on a Monday, does not it lads, it's always Monday and I'll show that something breaks, but I can't see anything on mine, no i I'm just, just I, I'm searching,
6: I'm searching what's NUSD the day right today? now, i as well, what's can the day, I see, the
0: the today 20? is the 11th isn't it, yes. um, oh, what, oh
6: man honestly,
1: right, just to go oh, what I've seen, it's, it's so no, Mate, it's somebody who reckons he has a source
2: inside. Ah,
5: oh, right, I've just seen it. You're right, I've just looked at his Twitter and all that. He's only got about 10 followers. Uh, <laughs> no, he hasn't. For goodness that sake. You know people who do
0: anything to get a read it's somebody. just embarrassing, really, that. He
5: reckons he knows somebody at the club. I know what you're saying, no. but I trust this man a lot. <laughs> <laughs> sure.
4: No, it's just, um, it's
5: just a bit. So it's not good news, then,
0: <laughs> well, thing is so it? What, what do you say? Like it was three hundred million. Oh, I believe it was. <laughs> that but means. You know, I hate to say, to
6: it, I hate to say it, say it. It's kind of like the transfer market. I'm not going to believe it until I see somebody holding a freaking scarf. You know, <laughs> yeah. with, with, you know, with Saint <laughs> James that. Park in the background. I'm not going to see it. I'm, I'm, I'm Andrew Dabli. To be
2: honest <laughs> with, <laughs> with, <laughs>
6: with you lads,
5: uh, to be honest with you lads, in terms of any kind of structural deal. My, it, it would, uh, of course, it would be in Mike Ashley's interest if he's trying to sell the club for three hundred million or whatever, to actually spend some money in January to make sure he protects his investments Because mm. if you know if we don't and we we'll go down, he's get, he's, get, he's not going he's going he's going to get he's not even going to get half that.
0: I think actually when, you, when we look at if you look at the game on they, they when you look at Leicester and what they did, yes they came back they were good. But they only, got, they only took the lead through a, a lucky a lucky hit, and you know obviously they had chance. No, but if he yeah, doesn't, chances, if he doesn't we...
6: hit it, it's still going to be a goal. I mean, it's still going to be a goal if he doesn't if he doesn't make that because Okazaki was in. That's why I was so mad. I don't understand where the heck the other fullbacks were. Why Yosi Perez is being slagged for cracking back when he's a midfielder for crying out loud. Where the heck are the other two fullbacks? There was two, two fullbacks. With with Vardy, I think it was, and then Vardy played a Vardy did what a good forward does. Mm. Instead of taking the shot, he waited, and Ozaki was just coming in, and it was going to be a tap-in goal if if Yosi uh, Perez doesn't do something. And Yosi Perez basically tapped it in form, Is basically what it was.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think John, you know when he when it comes to when it comes to Newcastle, like I saw I saw some of your uh, uh, figures that on. Four out of ten. But do you, do you agree as well with the lad saying that you thought dollar was at fault for the first goal?
4: Oh, definitely. No doubt about it. He could have done a lot better. I know the shot came in, but this is why Rafa needs... Uh, completely unstandard. Rafa needs a goalkeeper back in summer, sort of thing. Never happened. But, um, now nah, I just think he should have done a lot better than that, sort of thing. And, um, Other than Agreed. that, sort of thing.
2: Um,
4: and um, if you're going to be a goalkeeper, you've got to dominate. You've got to... Um, beyond points as goalkeeper I mean but he had he just didn't even well how do I pull it it's just poor keeping at the end of the day
0: poor keeping yeah. I've, I've, I think it's interesting when you watch I, you saw him drop you saw him drop the ball and then when the ball I remember the couple of chances they had he dropped it and he's, a, he's complained to the referee that he was blocked off and he clearly wasn't and then obviously the the chance came in uh, I think that shot by Vardy I think and he pushed it out Mm. Uh, but not strongly. Um, this is the problem. With, with, yeah, I mean, with, it's
6: like a goal. It's like a hockey goalkeeper giving yeah. a rebound right in front of his net. What's going to happen? It's going to. It's stuck right. I mean, guys, remember the first shot that he almost. He almost shipped right into his own goal because yeah. he he almost didn't cover the near post, and it was like just an innocuous shot that almost went in. I'm like, oh my goodness. Look, we like Darlow. But Darlow is not a Premiership keeper. Clearly, now I don't know Definitely what
4: not. the heck. Definitely. I don't not. know
6: what's going on. I don't know how Woodman can't. I don't know how Woodman can't get in the team with Darlow. I mean, because apparently Woodman's awesome, right? I mean, if, if well, you, you yeah. see the other side and you see Schmeichel, Schmeichel was at one point a young keeper that was kind of learning his way, but he just he's become this amazing. That play he that play he did where he controlled the ball and made the Newcastle forward look ridiculous. Yeah. You know, with the, I mean that is such class. I mean, Newcastle haven't had a guy like that, Jay Given, they can do something. But it's like interesting
0: that. though when you people talk about Wood Wood Woodman, it you know you look at Pickford. Uh, I think they, they they I you get. I think with Pick with Woodman, they just think he's not ready. He hasn't filled. They want him. They want him more filled out. When you look at Pickford, Pickford just looks a bit more stronger, uh, physically wise, even though he's smaller than than Woodman. So there's no. Uh, there's no way, no how, he's gonna uh, he's gonna put him in the team because if he's gonna bring in the team, he would have him as a number two. He would say to Elliot, "Okay, thanks so much, uh, Mister Elliot. Your time is done at Newcastle." So I think that I think we're reaching when it comes to Woodman being the team. There's no chance that's going to happen, not this ta- not this season, especially. But um, I think when it comes to when- I think when it comes to Wednesday, do you go back to to Elliot again? It's a tricky one. I, Nope. You know, it's. It, I I think people are very harsh about the fact that he he didn't save the first goal when he got fingers to it, but it, it wasn't like typical. When you watch uh, Joe Hart try and save a, a goal I, from distance, we should have saved that.
6: It was but middle of the goal Andrew. It you. wasn't high. It wasn't high. Thank you. I don't care high. how great a shot that was.
5: Get nah, your freaking net to it. Uh, Andrew went through his hands. He was like Chris Packard hands. It went through his hands. It, it was it was middle of the goal. It was middle of the goal. It wasn't in the top corner. It was it was it was a penalty height for me. It was he, he should have saved it,
6: Andrew. We should have seen it. This is the Premiership. You have got to make those saves. You have to. Okay. You have to make those saves. Okay, gentlemen. I
0: end. <laughs> interesting debate as ever. But tell me, give me a, a score lead because I got the end of the show now. Give me a score for Wednesday.
5: Uh, hopefully we'll win 1-0 and one of the players will smack the ball in Sam Allardyce's face. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: John?
4: Um, depends on the back four. When cells uh, um, comes back and he plays alongside Kieran Clark, a player on Ben Bear left back, yeah. then we, I think I'm going to go for... Whoo, probably go 2-1. But, if it's the same back four as Lejeune in the team, I could see problems. Are gonna go ones each one's each
0: okay chris
6: yeah, ones each would suck um, uh, no, nah, but uh, here, here's the deal, guys. I just have a bad feeling with that back four. I have a bad feeling Rooney's gonna freaking do us, um you know he loves Newcastle um i just uh, if i would hopefully hopefully LaSalle is healthy and i and if LaSalle's healthy, then i'm gonna go I'm gonna go one nil I'm gonna say Newcastle's gonna find a way, but I'm petrified that Rooney. Is gonna just ruin us because he loves to see black and white.
0: The man just there's
6: certain players that play really well against Newcastle. He's one of them.
0: Neil, what, what do uh, you think the score is gonna be? One.
1: 1 0 with an Alamo like performance from whoever didn't go.
0: <laughs> well, great stuff, gentlemen. Thanks for much for coming on and for Evening Bevan and coming as well. It's been a great show. Thanks, everybody. Until the last show will be next week, and we've got Vicky Sparks, is going to be our guest, gents. So we'll have lots of talk on Newcastle, Sunderland, and Middlesbrough. But last week, the last show of this year is going to be next Monday before I head to Germany. So thanks much, gentlemen. We'll catch you next week. He was getting I
2: see out too
0: late. Got nothing. Thanks to my main guest this evening and Adrian Bevington. You can catch Adrian at ABevington11 on Twitter. Remember, if you want to listen back to the show with my co-host Neil Mitchell and my various guests, just go to uh, iTunes under Talk and you'll be able to listen back to the show on a podcast anytime you wish. But thanks so much for this evening with our special guest, Adrian Bevington. A great show as ever with our great guests and our great take on England, Newcastle and a little bit of something different in any of any of the any of the the shows that we've had before so catch us again